Welcome to episode 473 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, team, welcome along to episode 473 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? Good. Glad to see you made it up this morning. Not too much of a challenge for you. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it was because Tuesday's a sleep in for me. Yeah. Because normally I'm, I wake up at 10 to 5. Yeah. Then I meditate and then I'll get out of bed at about quarter past five, half past five, depending on, you know, the morning. Uh, Tuesday, I don't have to get out of bed till five to six. I'll, if you want, I'll give you a call. I mean, I'm I'm up at five. Yeah, I'll no, give you a call no, no. when I'm on the way to the pool just to chat yeah, about no, I put the my show. Phone, I put my phone on that night thing do, so you can't get, get hold do, of me. I can do some, do some peas for you before I hit the pool. I do my peas. Don't worry about that, John. They're always yeah. done. Definitely. Gotcha. Even when last week when I woke up late, they were done. I just subconsciously knew them. Okay, John, what uh, I'm talking is proudly brought to you by? Athletes.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our team of patrons. And we've got some great names here, Jonbo. You can go first. The Drop Cox. The Drop Cox. Yes. That's a good one. I, know that I can't one. remember why we did that. The Drop. Alistair Speed Feet Fleet. Speed Feet. <laughs> that's a gold one. Yeah. That is uh, Peter Griffin's uh, Rock Out. Paul, Mr. Detention Dean. Get to the get to the foyer. <laughs> and Liz Elastigirl Verhayden. Verhayden, okay. Well, these are some of our patrons. If you want to be a patron of the show, go to www.iamtalk.me. Click on the link for the patrons page, and it's all pretty explainable from there. Okay, John, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got uh, two interviews, but before that, we have some statistic. And then we've got two interviews with who? One, Lucy Gossage, your winner from Iron Man UK, who we'll hear about uh, shortly when we go through the news. And then also uh, the call for the some top female age groupers has come and been answered. Tracy Morrison, who is a Australian um, Iron athlete, went 9.30-something at Ironman Melbourne, uh, was first age grouper overall, wow. and is looking to go to Kona and crush it this year. Oh, okay, we'll be talking to her later on in the show, and then we've got some couple questions and answers here. And John's just getting some emails. <laughs> <laughs> Iron Man Public Relations. Let's, let's see what Iron Man Public Relations. Okay, what are, what's the latest thing? The Iron Man Foundation gives back. Does it really? Uh, they a pretty good job. <laughs> it gives they? back to the Lake Placid Foundation. Since its inception, Iron Man Foundation has provided 32 million in charitable givebacks globally to support non-profit initiatives. There you go. That is one of the good things they do, but isn't it? We've got to give them some love here. They'll distribute 66,000 in grants to non-profit initiatives and groups in the greater Lake Placid area. Yes, they do give back, but I would say it's give money and in return you get some marshals. Yes, stop being so cynical your whole life. That's not my cynical, that's Stop being cynical. When the earthquakes happened, they delivered big time for Christchurch, didn't they? I won't dispute that one. We didn't have to take any marshals up. No, you know they, they just did a good job. So stop being the cynical John Newsome all the time, John. Does Belinda say that to you? Well, that's why I've got a few more cynical things coming up. Let's, <laughs> let's get into some positive stuff. Okay, I'm gonna put some music on, Jonbo, because you want me to put the music. You put the jingles in the show notes. So here's some music. Right, John, that music is dramatic, isn't it? It is dramatic. It's, and it's been a dramatic week in the news, John Newsom. This week in the news, first of all, we had a couple of Ironman races in Ironman UK happened. And uh, speaking to Lucy Gossage, 
doesn't sound like it was a very fun day out there. It, it did clear up, so I had a couple of guys racing there, and yeah, but from the, the beginning, the get-go, the first hour of the ride apparently was horrendous rain, really? full on. So you'll hear later on, Lucy was saying that she could literally only see like five metres in front of herself. Mm, so, and it's, I mean, the course there, the bike course is very challenging. It's not your, you know, mountainous bike course, but very up and down, very slow going. So the top guys here, in terms of looking at the splits, are basically riding five hours flat versus, you know, some races these days, you know, four oh eight, so fifty odd minutes difference in terms of uh, how quick they're biking. So, last week I was more than likely probably predicting that it was going to be a bit of a Joe Skipper race or potentially Victor Del Corral Morales, but we had uh, two other pommies step up to the plate. David McNamee took it out. He swam forty eight, biked five oh two, and rode two and ran two fifty one for an eight forty six, which was a five minute victory over Fraser Cartmel. His Mate, and then Joe Skipper, who had had a great race earlier in the year at uh, Texas, um, you know, made up a bit of time on the run with a 2.55 and rode a 4.58, but lost eight minutes to those guys in the swim. So he was third in 8.55. So now, Fraser Cartmel did win this race years ago, didn't he? Remember uh, when he first came on the scene? He's, he may have done. He's yeah, he was a good Just based on memory, I, I seem to recall. He's a good 70.3 athlete. Um, so I can't remember if he's actually won one or not. Well, but Tim Hemming. Did, did a great job and he sent us through bullet points about David and he said first year doing long distance racing after turning back, back on Olympic ambition and surprising in the new year decision very much an apprentice and a master one two performance from Scotland runner up Fraser Cartmel has taken him under his wing this year since McName uh, stepped up uh, first McNamee okay Okay, good. Uh, McNamee, uh, first race was in Dubai where both of them went South Africa to train together to do South Africa. McNamee came seventh in South Africa. Would think the two, both strong swimmers, worked together to stay clear of Joe Skipper and Victor Del Corre. Coral, uh, as much of the bike course in Bolton. Uh, McNamee was seventh in the Commonwealth Games last year. Yep. Okay. Uh, he had a couple of 70.3 podiums. Uh, he was second in Ironman. Puts him 29th on the KPR. His goal was to go straight to Kona this year. Greatest strength is his consistency. Regular top 10 in the ITU days. Always be a front pack swimmer. Long course biking is still the weakness. A solid runner. And this stuck with Will so basically, he was, he's, he's a really good ITU athlete. Yeah. Um, and if he'd been racing for any other country, he'd probably be the number one athlete. Uh, but because he's a bomb, he's, you know, Battling to battling to be their sort of third or fourth athlete, so you know he's as good as any any athlete we've got in New Zealand at the moment in terms of his performances. Likewise, you could say he's pretty much on par with any American or you know some of the Aussies, maybe just a tickle better than him. But he finished second in Beijing um, for in the under 23s back in 2011. But as Tim said, you know he's had a number of top tens, uh, seventh Commonwealth Games, he um, and then you know like sixth at the European Champs uh, last year. Um, and then like a tenth in Stockholm, so he's a bit, bit up and down. Yes, any, you know, the thing is that middle part of the ITU field, sort of tenth through thirtieth, so it's close. just so close. Yeah. It's such a lottery. You know, you have a good day, you're tenth. You have an average day, you're twenty fifth, and you have just a, a mediocre day, and you're still maybe only still thirty fifth. It's so close. So the dude can can clearly go. Um, so your thoughts then? Because like, okay, he's not he's not like a Gomi is coming over to triathlon, but you know you always think the ITU guys are going to dominate, and he's 
you know, obviously a very, very good athlete and he's coming, he's one of the bloody Ironman, so he's obviously really great. But, you know, what are your thoughts on him going to the, going to Kona and do you see him as a guy who potentially could get a top 10, top 5 kind of? Uh, potentially a top 10, but the guys, the ITU guys that have come across that do well have usually got a pretty strong bike ride and he hasn't yet displayed that he's got an axe bike ride. So he's competitive here with the, all the top guys. But, mm. you know, when you think about the, the good guys who have done really well, you know, you think of Dirk Bockel, you think of Bevan Doherty. Um, yeah, but Doherty Bev- didn't have to in Kona. Yeah, but I mean, it, that was at, at Taupo and yeah. Texas and stuff. He showed that he just didn't do it in Kona, but elsewhere yeah, he was potential. able to do it. And, and you think of the other guys, they're, they're typically good bikers. So I don't think he may be doing anything this year, but further down the track, potentially. Um, so, yeah, really good, strong performance, especially when he didn't blow the field apart in South Africa and only finished seventh. So it was a reasonable field there. But, um, yeah, good on him. You know, with, with the ITU racing right now, it's very much a swim-run kind of race, isn't it? Yeah, yes and no. You know, you got to be... You got to be able to. Ha- they, they're dropping guys out of that front pack sometimes. Because I'm just thinking, you're saying that you know, really, the guys who seem to make the conversion to Ironman who do really well are the guys who do have a solid bike. Mm. But is the bike being kind of suppressed because, or oh yeah, yeah because yeah. you know, like you know, you, you don't want your biking to be your strength if you're an ITU athlete. Yeah, so you're not going to yeah. put much energy. Well, well it's probably where I'm going to put the least amount of energy mm. in developing myself. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe. You know, that makes it interesting as they make this transition into Ironman. Okay, um, so on the girls' side of things? Fantastic. Uh, so fantastic racing by the guys. Interesting to see a Kiwi I've never heard of, Sam Clark in seventh place. So well done to him. Good work, Sam. And on the female side of things, um, yeah, it was unfortunate that uh, Michelle Vesterby, um, she was she was sort of leading after the swim, and I was watching the tracking, and you'll hear from Lucy Gossage later on. I thought uh, she, she cut was, out when she said that. So what actually happened? Well, she, Michelle Vesterby I mean, was maybe a minute in front of Lucy, and then all of a sudden she was three minutes behind. So it's sounded like that she went, off she went a little bit off course but it didn't sound like she was having a very good day anyway so that really dropped things out and it was very much Lucy dominating Domination. the dojo um, so she swam at 59 biked 522 which on that course is a bloody solid day at the office and then ran a 303 and that's not a flat course so that's actually a fantastic run split for a 931 and finishing 10th overall um, is pretty damn impressive. Yeah that's really impressive I think she had like the 6th fastest run as well so she was smoking it. That's awesome Um, Caroline Livesley past age grouper of the week was in 2nd place Um, so she was 34 minutes behind. that? Uh, names come up a couple of times. Oh, wow, that's impressive. And then Kate Comba from what Great Britain was third, but looks like she was the first age grouper overall. So nice what? work. I would say, you know, this really shows the difference between being like uh, Caroline Liversley was a fantastic age grouper. I think from memory, she maybe won her age group in Kona. She definitely won her age group somewhere else. So top, top age grouper versus Lucy, who is a really good pro now. But that sort of shows the difference. You know, Caroline looks like she had a fantastic race, but 35 minutes behind mm. is a um, long ways. But well done. Second place. Awesome. John, what happened to David Dallow? Do you know what happened? Did he race in the end? He was I, on the start list. Didn't see his name come up. No. And he, he raced, he raced the, week the week before. before so I was just kind of curious to see. And this is just going to happen. We've got this coming up uh, in a moment when we look at the Whistler start list. There's all these names of people that race this week. So it's it's um, yeah, it's harder to get accurate start lists these days. Well, which makes sense because pros don't have to pay one entry fee. So they're going to chuck a few down, aren't they? So Ironman Switzerland also happened. And what a great race by... Ronnie Shieldnick. Eight-time winner. It's one of eighth time. And awesome. he's, he's saying post-race that it was his best race ever he had there. He needed to fight for it too. He did. So he was uh, down after the swim. You had um, Manuel 
Kung and Michael Raylert, uh, you know, smacking away on the bike. Raylert sort of faded later on and ended up DNFing, so we know Kung was crapping on the back bike quite a lot. Mm. Mm. So she can clearly, you know, is clearly one of the best 70.3 athletes in the world, but has yet to display that over Ironman. So mm. no Kona for him this year, and well, he hasn't been to Kona yet. So Ronnie Shieldnick. 55 swim, losing a lot of time, you know, losing five minutes or so to those, uh, or seven minutes to those guys, the front guys in the swim, but a nice steady 4.32 on the bike, which looks to me like it was the fastest bikes for the day, and then ran a 2.50.02 for an 8.21, and a you know, seven, to, seven to eight minute victory over Jan Van Berkel and Alessandro Degasperi from Italy in third, who ran a 2.47, nice work. Yeah, he took the level about 12 cases to go, and for it, you know, like this is Cameron Brown kind of level now, isn't it? Eight oh, times, yeah. you know, like eight times in one race. It's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. Jeepers creepers, and it wasn't a weak field, you know, like he had some no. guys, some decent guys to beat, and he, you know, and it just sounds like when you read some of his post-race comments, he was over the moon, eh? Yeah. And it was hot. It was it was 30 plus degrees on the run, um, wow. so it would have been baking, so that makes that, you know, that two 247 by... Degas Perry, um, pretty impressive. So good stuff, uh, I'm in Switzerland. And then a girl side saying Mary Beth was dominant in dojo and then just faded. Boom, I, I saw a post by her somewhere and uh, it was either a Twitter post or a Facebook post and she said, this is what my day was like and it was a picture of an explosion. Because <laughs> so, she was dominating. She was like, like, like off the bike, she was like 12, 30 minutes up, wasn't she? And it's not like she's a crappy runner. No. You know? So she swam, uh, Mary Beth swam 55 and ride, fo- ride 502 but then ran a 324 and yeah, it was a hot day. Um, so, you know, like a 310 would probably be a reasonable day for her. Yep. 305 would be a really good day. Um, so she ended up losing out to Beth Gerds, who is Luke McKenzie's wife, right. and she's got a young kid, I don't know, maybe maybe a year old, if that. So that's pretty impressive, and she put down a spanking run, ran a 3.01 uh, to finish in 9.21, so she swam an hour, lost five minutes in the swim, rode 5.13, which is still you know second fastest bike split of the day by the look of it, but then a 3.01, I mean she's a consistently really, really top runner and consistently has a top run split where she races, but to put it all together, 9.21 and beat Mary Beth Alice is, uh, is a bloody good effort. Yeah, far out, yeah, that's pretty because Mary is a legendary athlete. She is. I suppose it's not completely surprising because it was it last week. I think last week was the ITU World Long Distance Champs, which Mary Beth won. It was was, it was either last week or the week before? The last few weeks, yeah. So, yeah, to, 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 to double up and expect to do amazingly might have been a bridge too far, but maybe she needed to do it for Kona. I'm not quite sure. So, good work, girls. We got and an email through from another email through from Tim Heming about another race. The bat, this was the weekend before. It didn't quite make the news cut uh, this week. It yeah. was the weekend before. It was the Bastion, and he also sent through a picture, um, which makes whether it was either starting the bike or finishing the bike, running into this castle. looked fantastic. Yeah, it did look pretty good. There was a guy who was doing his 100th Ironman. Wow. Da- 100 Ironman. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that is ridiculous. Darren Jenkins took it out in 10.01.15 from Carl Alexander, 10.24, and Matthew Dowell in 10.45. Girls, uh, I think it was, maybe he. This, this is this could. I don't want to criticise uh, news media, but he's got Bethan Fowler. I reckon it could be Bethany Fowler. Maybe no, it's definitely I, Bethan. <laughs> you don't want to call girl Bethan. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> so she took it out in 12:04. Um, 
complete dojo domination. Next was 13.48, so winning by an hour, 44 wow, minutes. That's, that's, that's even more. And then uh, Louise Clinton in third place in 15.50. So it was Darren Jenkins who won the race, said it was, I've done 20 Ironmans around the world, and this is the toughest course I've done anywhere. You get great personal experience here. You're not just a number. How many other events have the stunning castle backdrop? Backdrop. So again, another one of these fantastic races that they have in the UK. Um, it's held at Hever Castle, part of the Castle Triathlon Series in the Kent countryside. Anthony Gurundini, age 46, probably worth mentioning as he completed 100 iron distance triathlons, yeah. the majority on tough courses in and around the UK. And uh, what else? And then, yeah, that's pretty much it. Jenkins that's, posted a 315 marathon. That's pretty crazy. Sonny Garcia is going to be racing IMM next year. Did you watch that? Did you see that Nick McFanning thing yesterday? Yes, I think everybody saw that, I think. Man, that was pretty mind-blowing, eh? Sonny Garcia did um, Kona 70.3 this year. Um, How'd he go? I don't think he was that fast, okay. from memory, you know. Um, you so know, he's more just participating. Participating, yeah. but... Yeah. Still... He'll bring some good exposure to it, I think. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a name I knew of. I don't know much about yeah, surfing. I don't know much about no. surfing. Uh, the only people I do know is Kelly Slater, Mick Fanning, the guy who was yeah. so I knew him, and kind of, I don't know that name. Yes, oh, that. so I think he'll bring it, you know, a bit like Gordon Ramsay, he'll bring a lot of exposure to it, and he'll have a lot of followers, and and maybe more so than Gordon Ramsay, bring people that are actually uh, pretty active and may think, oh, maybe I'll do an Ironman now. So, yeah, totally, because surfers may look at the skill set. Hmm. Um, just Iron Cowboy? Yes, he's now up to latest. about day forty-one. Oh wow! Yeah, day forty-two. So, he, but it's not legit, really, because he's not doing. You know, he's not. He's not <laughs> doing a proper Ironman every day. Yeah, no. Guys, <laughs> I mean, God, weak I mean, character, idiot. He, I mean, he is swimming three point eight k's. No, day, he's not. John, he's, he's actually on a boat, and he's bike, biking one hundred eighty. No, it's a motorbike, and he's running forty-two. No, he's in a pram, and he could be. It might be on a treble, but no, that's not legit. No. Yeah, no, this guy's a bloody legend if you ask me, John. <laughs> so he's Very currently uh, d- um, at day forty-one, and as Dave Warden saying, who we interviewed a few weeks ago on the show um, the only thing that's going to stop him now is sickness or a crash yeah you know like he's got nine days to go seems to be ticking them out you know he's getting it you know still consistent time frames man I, I just can't comprehend what his body's going through right now ridiculous like he, he, mentally you're probably at that moment where you so know I can get there now you yeah, know, you're just like, in the groove yeah but still man it's just hard to comprehend mm. it'd be so nice to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and don't you? Because you think what we used to do in Epic Camp, you know, and like Epic Camp's a full on, but we didn't run. No. You know, like Epic Camp was crazy training. Mm. You know, I think my biggest week was 63 hours. Now, that's madness, and especially now thinking about it. God, the idea of doing 63 hours blows <laughs> my mind away. But we didn't run, you know, we did 10K a day, and then you do yeah. a couple, two hours within that. Yeah. You know, to add a marathon onto that every day, mm. just that's the thing that really blows my mind. Because we, biking, Sure, it's hard, and you know if you do a lot of it, it's, it's very challenging. But the impact of running, yeah, you know, I do think you get in that groove. Yeah, uh, still, still incredibly hard, but your body s- starts to adapt to it. But still, just very impressive. We have to try to see if we can get him on post post completion. He'll be doing a lot of media. I think. If, if you do want to, um, 
donate, go to the website ironcowboy.co and there's a donation there and it's going to a good cause there, Jamie Oliver Food Foundation, which is about educating kids and stuff around that, around healthy eating. So it's a really important cause. Um, Jonbo, also, we've also got our, our wetsuits. What's happening there? So we're going to have a, a Blue 70 wetsuit auction starting today, which is the 21st of July in New Zealand. We're running for 10 days. So we did release a Legends show last week, but we didn't get our auction on the show. Um, so we're going to do it through I Am Talk this week. So we have a 10-day auction. It's basically for anybody in the UK, Europe, and America. Kiwis and Aussies will get some stuff coming our way as the season approaches. But uh, for you guys, you get a fantastic deal on a Blue 70 Helix wetsuit. It always goes below retail, so you get a fantastic suit, fantastic price. You're supporting the show, and uh, and you look good and fast when you're out there racing. So um, just go to legendsoftriathlon.com. And, oh, actually, I'll put this one on www.imtalk.me. Cool. So, so go to www.imtalk.me, and uh, there'll be a link on uh, this week's show notes, and we'll also put it on Facebook. And uh, if you want to get that wetsuit, and often you often get it pretty cheap. So yeah. if you are looking for a new wetsuit, it's really the way to go. And it's supporting the show. John, we've also had uh, Tony Hodges has been a bloody rock star. Tony Hodge. Oh, yes. sorry. What did I say, Hodges? Uh, Tony Hodge, she's been a bloody could rock be, star. There could be more of her. She may she may have uh, cloned herself. She, and based on the work she's been doing, I think she has, yes. John. Because we've, we've John, a few weeks ago, threw an idea out on the show and uh, said, let's, let's do a race. What do you got? A race guide? We had a, an email in from a listener, and I said that's a good idea because you know if you go to you know um, a challenge or an Ironman website or any event website, they're going to say, oh, we've got this fantastic event. This is really cool, and we, they show you all the beautiful pictures of the course, and they don't necessarily tell you the the true story about the what it's like, the, the, the highs and the lows. So someone suggested, why don't you have a race race guide? And I said, well, I'm not doing that, but I'm happy to. So the cookbook, f- he said, oh, it's a great idea, and then never happened. But yeah. John put it in the hands of Tony Hodge. And bang, it's happening. So I, I made the form. We've now got a form on our website. Go to imtalk.me and then uh, let me just make sure I direct everybody in the right place. Uh, yeah, no, it's, you go to imtalk.me and then it's got imtalk race guide. And then you just go there, you click on there and you submit a race. And basically it's got pretty much every iron distance race, Ironman and challenge race on the calendar. And or otherwise, below that, there's a little box where you can put okay, in the okay, name you of your... Uh, and it's just a series event. of questions to go through. Does it sell out? Uh, describe one word for the event. Is there a video overview? So on and so on and so on. And then what's going to happen is, after that, once you go in there, you put all that information in, you submit that, and then what happens, John? And then... Uh, maybe in a month's time or so we'll just fire that all through to Tony she's created a, a standalone website just a WordPress website she'll put all that information in there and Tony then we'll have a um, you know, it's all broken into regions so then you can go in there and you know, A find a race and B find out some information about it and you know, links to the courses what people think of it tips where to stay um, things for your family to do and hopefully some video links and things like that so it's more of an independent guide to to races and yeah here's so. a good little trick if you're doing an ironman and you you know because the, the day after the race is always a bit of a nothing day isn't it unless you're traveling but if you mm-hmm. aren't traveling and you've got a bit of a nothing day you know you, you get up you walk around you tell some stories but you often just go sit back in the lounge and chill for a few hours so while you're there just do this jump on www.imtalk.me go to the imtalk race guide and what you're doing is you're helping to contribute to a resource that lots of people get to use and you know when they think about making decisions and, and looking towards going towards races so well done, Tony. You're a bloody rock star. And well done, John, for doing your... And, but we need you guys to contribute now. There haven't been too many yet, so just go on there. And uh, what we're going to do, once we've got 
you know, say we've got maybe five contributions for a particular race, we'll probably remove that race from the list because we don't need yeah. 500 um, reviews of Hawaii Ironman. Um, but once we've got a handful, so there'll be just that, that selection you can choose from will shrink once we've got heaps of reviews for each race. So um, help us out and we'll come up, try to come up with a really cool guide. Okay, good times rock and roll. Um, Jombo, coming up this weekend, we've got Lake Placid, but there is no prize, prize, no pro list. No, uh, there's no pro race there. Oh, that's a low, okay, sorry. Um, I'm Ann Whistler coming up in Canada, $100,000 race. And so what we're seeing there, you know, in the past, we may have had Placid and Canada on the same weekend mm. with $50,000 at each or 70 and 50 or something like that. Um, but instead now we have no Placid. One race, hundred thousand dollars. So was Placid the one that traditionally was the men's? Remember they used to do a men's and then the females. To, they used to switch between Placid and Coeur d'Alene yeah, a little that's bit. Right. Yeah. Um, so one year, basically, team. if you don't know, know what happened in the past, they used to have it was a pro race, but only men had prize money one year on one race, and then only females had prize money in the other race. Doesn't really make sense, does it? No, but. Uh, what, it was like it for a while, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was but was there more prize money at each race? Uh, like they combined I can't recall what happened surely they did surely they combined it so that you know if you did place it and you're a male you're going to make more money at that race yeah you know so in some ways it kind of did make sense really it was a good yeah. idea but why not have go all the prize money at one race so well that's what they're doing now isn't which it which is what they're doing yeah. now um, but good old uh, and, and I'm going to carry on with this um, this gripe is you know you go to ironman.com and you find um, you know the Whistler race on there there's no mention of where, who's racing the pros Chance. If you search like the good investigative journalist that I am, uh, you can actually find them if you go under the the pros area of the website and then you actually, there is a start list there, but I mean, who the hell is going to do that other than me? Uh, so I did manage to find the start list. Uh, you got Matt Russell, Jeff Simons, Paul Ambrose, Victor Zementsev, Chris McDonald, Luke Bell. So it's not actually a bad little field there. Um, Kyle Buckingham, Sven Sundberg. So dear. Oh, Dougal Allen from New Zealand's um, up there, Justin oh, Deere. It's actually quite a good field. It is. Quite a competitive field, eh? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and Mike Twelsick is maybe a bit of a late addition in there. So, but again, so, do we know they're going to be there? That's the only problem, isn't it, right now? Mary Beth Ellis is she going to back up again? She's uh, she's on the list, so who knows? So yeah, Beth Goods is on the list. Both those girls, you know, won two in Switzerland last weekend. So I don't know, man. They just they just need to employ Torsten to basically keep their start lists Cutting up snow. to date and then maybe we can talk about these races with a bit more enthusiasm in terms of uh, knowing who it, is actually But it's a hard race. one, isn't it? Because I love the fact that pros only pay one fee a year. Like, mm-hmm. I love it that, you know, because we all know pros aren't making a lot of money and so it's a much better pro system as in the financial commitment they need to make to a race nowadays. What is it, 750 US? Mm-hmm. And it gives you unlimited races. Now, that's really great. Yeah. Now, maybe in the past, maybe races gave free entries anyway, so maybe I'm mm-hmm. not quite sure of how that worked. But um, So I like it, but it's, it is a downfall at this moment because we're just unsure of who's going to be there like David Dello did he race last weekend in UK mm. um, you know we just don't know but maybe they need to like the week before confirm they're going to be at the race just so that then they can put a PR release out saying who's going to be there and, but at the same time again um, you know if, if you rang up Mary Beth Ellis or Beth Goods I would say yeah, I'm probably not racing, but if I bomb out in yeah, Switzerland, yeah. maybe I will turn up. Uh, so it's it's a tricky one, but it would be nice to, to get a bit more clarity on that. We've got Vineman coming up, Jombo. We have got Vineman coming up, and <laughs> love the love the yeah. The, these smaller races have to be um, have to try innovative. 
innovative and have some different things going on. And we mentioned, we mentioned this each year. They have a, a little prize pool fund there. They go five to four thousand dollars in bonuses. The bonus will be shared between by any men finishing under nine thirty for the race and any woman finishing under ten thirty. And when we have a look at last year, rip your jocks. The first guy went nine thirty forty four. Oh, thirty four seconds. Forty forty four. Sorry, did I forty four seconds. So no bacon for him. Oh, so close. Yeah, um, so far away. But yet the girls. She got it. There's two girls from memory. I'm just refreshing now. Two girls. One went. Uh, Whitney McCain went ten oh six, and Sarah Jarvis went ten thirteen. So those two would have taken home two thousand US each. Nice. Which um, for a small race is uh, pretty reasonable. What's the longest, oldest uh, full distance iron event in the continental USA? So outside of Kona, it's the oldest event. It's been around for a very long time. They also run the same. We've spoke, we know these guys quite well, and they're a great crew. Um, they've also run the seventy point three by man. So yes. it's, and it seems like it's it's in California. It's a pretty beautiful race. So if you are thinking about doing a race that's maybe a little bit kind of off the WTC circuit, but, you know, has a bit of a history and is kind of amazing. And Check a, out a good size race. Um, I'm just going to try to, in 2015, they'll limit the field to 1,100 participants. I did have a look at the, there wasn't that many when I looked on the list, but it, I, I personally like going to races that are in that sort of 500 to 1,500 range. Yep. There's enough people out there that you're Feels not like going to totally lonely. There's enough atmosphere. But then uh, it's not packed as well. But it's not packed. And that, you know, I don't know. I just don't like the idea of being on courses where there's thousands of people these days. But everybody's different. That's just my my take on it. Yeah. So nice work, Vine Man people. We love we love love what you do. A couple of other races coming up as well. Um, they have one that I thought was interesting was the Aula Try. Now it's yeah. not not actually uh, they do have a triathlon option there, but not a full iron distance option. But they've got a, an aqua bike auction, which is kind of again, you know, getting a little bit innovative in terms of trying to get people out there that will use this more as a training event, or if they can't run. So, um, like they work another race in the, in the UK. And uh, yeah, someone was sending through an email last week to me saying about a, a race they're doing. I'm pretty sure it was in the UK, which was uh, the theory was even times for each aspect of the sport so the swim would take you as long as the bike right. and the run um, I think it was meant to be happening last weekend so I can't recall who sent that email through to me so if if you know who you are send me through if it did happen last weekend send us through what actually happened because I'm kind of curious to see who, who does that favour a swimmer it would wouldn't it yeah yeah of course yeah yeah yeah. he makes some big gains there mm. also got the outlaw coming up this weekend in the extreme man in Hungary okay John's ITU update what happened John oh, Hamburg great, great weekend of really was it it's I just watched these ITU races. Hamburg is a sprint distance um, draft legal race, obviously, um, but just ginormous crowds. Really? And the, the athletes apparently just love it because you're in the swim and you can actually hear people cheering when you're in the swim. Wow. It was great racing. You had a sprint finish on the guys' side with um, Gomez and Vincent Louis, who's a French dude, and Vincent Louis ended up taking it out in, a, in the last uh, couple of hundred metres. So it was bloody good racing. But they also just TT. They had a pack of about nine off the front and they're just laying it down on the bike. Were all the, were the rock stars there? No, uh, not all, no, but everybody but Brownlees. Um, but they were just laying it down on the bike and the the, you know, the the guys, Richard Murray and Moller, couldn't catch up on the bike, the 45 seconds down, and that was, um, that's enough for those guys to hang on for the win. It's just cool racing and we had another, uh, and then on the girls' side of things, which was, was really interesting, was Gwen Jorgensen um, it came down to the last 200 metres, which has been the first time ever that she hasn't been been, yeah, absolutely crushing. So you still it. won it. Still won it. So you kind of think it's one of those things. You have, you've probably had 
the crappiest worst day of your year by a long shot and you still, and you still win. win. <laughs> <laughs> um, or the other girls all of a sudden got a lot lot quicker, but she just didn't look like she had that same spring in her step. But still ran through to take the win, so that was pretty impressive. You, you sent me through a link to uh, I think Spanish website. Is French. That my, my, oh, is it French? Is it, I uh, can't really read what's happening here. So David House took out. Uh, he, he won the European Champs House. last weekend. Yep. Um, a French dude. In, been as in a while. the You're, short. European Olymp- uh, it is Olympic distance okay. I'm pretty sure it was in Geneva is, is that a big event? yeah it is yeah. for the Europeans um, but they also have the teams championship there so yep. they have in Hamburg I haven't watched the teams race yet but they have the team relay which we love yep. um, and they do the same at the European champs <clears throat> he, and the French I think won it yep. well, they, they won the Worlds yep. but he did the run no shoes oh really? yeah how'd they win the Worlds with the UK? how does the, the UK not win the Worlds? the Brownies weren't there oh wow yeah. So, so no shoes. No now, was shoes. this why it was Impressive. a tactical decision? Well, it worked. They won. So I don't know. Because how, how many seconds of shoes? Not much. You're running. You're running a mile. It's, uh, so 1600 meters. I think it is, or it might be two k's. I don't know. Maybe five to ten seconds. Ten seconds, maybe. Which I suppose could be, could over be a k. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, remember that video that I sent through with that track. Brad Bevan, yeah, yeah no but shoes. different when you're running on a on a wooden yeah. sort of track versus running it's on the road. Hard, you know, if you, well, it's still hard. It, yeah, yeah. So my call, and this is coming in, going to be coming into our discussion of the week this week. The multi-lap format on the the you know ITU, this, the, the coverage is just fantastic, and I know it's a hell of a lot easier when you're covering a draft legal race and it's a five k circuit than it is yeah. an Ironman. But just the the split screens and all the stuff was was just it's just you're going. This is actually proper professional production of times. an event it's, it's awesome and I just think the time is right to have a 70.3 or an Ironman on a multi-lap course you, know, you might do eight, uh, if you do a 70.3 do the age groupers in the morning you do the pros in the afternoon oh, so you, even the age groupers do it multi-lap no not the age groupers say, be no, no but the pros you maybe have a 15k circuit or something like that on the bike have a hill in the middle each lap they come up a hill get some Tour de France sort of Channel crowds. F- crowds going it'll be awesome I'm just waiting for somebody to do it You've, you'd have to have a really good field you couldn't do it with some poxy third rate field you've got to have it how so many it's athletes actually gonna, would you need I don't think it's necessarily a, a number of athletes it's a no, quality you'd need, quality. A few. You'd need, you'd need, you'd need, you'd need yeah. 50 wouldn't you 50, 50 or so but if yeah. you do it 70.3 worlds top quality field you've got, you've got a guaranteed no, crowd what about there. drafting you, you're allowed drafting no no you know you just make the course challenging enough that and you've got to make a sensible course mm. and um, and so you do laps in the swim two a couple of laps in the swim maybe on the, if it's a 70.3 maybe make it a, a you know five to six lap bike course three laps run you don't want people to get lapped um, well, it would be. and you want to know you might get some of the stragglers but you want to know you you, you want to make it so it's it should be an elimination you. race if you get lapped you're out oh yeah well, that's what it's like in ITU oh is it so if you lapped you're out yeah you're out of there yeah. <laughs> See you later, yeah, pleb. Which is exactly the way it should be. So I just think the time is there. Okay, Jumbo. Well, we've also got its sponsor Extreme Endurance. We had Challenge Rote uh, last weekend and didn't pick up that your winner on the female side, Yvonne Van Vlerken, and your male second place and winner the previous year, Timo Brack, both been long time Extreme Endurance users. If they use it they and they're winning. Especially, must, be, must be good. Both those guys have been around for a long time. Yeah, far ahead. And they've both been really consistent performers. And it's 100% down to their extreme endurance. <laughs> Nothing else. They don't, they don't train any differently. They're not hard asses. It's just purely extreme endurance. So if you want to go fast, 
Yvonne, I'll be here 10 minutes trying yeah. to uh, spell that one out. So check it out, xendurance.com. Um, obviously, we're in the month of July, which means we often talk about Tour de France and everybody's uh, slinging drug accusations bit everywhere. Put a pair in the face. Yeah, and it's, uh, uh, don't get me started on that. Armstrong slinging the, the uh, wasn't he saying the guy's a drug cheat? God, I don't know. Who cares what he says? <laughs> um, anyway, um, but one thing that's great with the Extreme Endurance is their products are tested and certified that they're drug-free. They use uh, independent agencies to do that. So, you know, if you are thinking, thinking, God, what am I actually taking here? You can rest assured that it is tested, it's clean, it gives you a fantastic advantage, but you're not breaking any laws at all. And that is important for people, you know, age groupers these days going to Kona. There is some testing out there, and you certainly do need to think twice about what you take. Taking, but with extreme endurance you know you're in the clear so check it out xendurance.com and be like Yvonne and Timo and start going out there and smoking some races okay John how old do you think Yvonne is um well we're, we're pushing 40 40 next year I would pick her to this is a bit nasty if I get it wrong. And I'm no, well, that. not based on how she looks because we'll probably think about how long she's been around for aren't we yeah I would have thought based on how long she's been around for Maybe sort of 36, 37, something oh, like that. Nailed it. Yeah? <laughs> yeah? She's 36. Yeah. Well done. Well, I mean, we raced right yeah, no, but I thought she'd be a little bit older because she, because maybe she popped up when I got into the sport. But like on her on her website, her results page start from 2002. Um, mm. I'm not sure what she was doing beforehand. But when we were in road, I thought she'd been around for a while before that. Mm. I thought she'd been around for quite a no, while. Right, it was a big breakthrough that year. Yeah. So obviously that was, we kind of start to see her at the real kind of key moment which really she switched over to because she was always a bit of a, a, a Jew athlete wasn't she yes yeah um, discussion of the week discussion of the week okay Jumbo, we've got an interesting answer on this one here so weirdest prizes or items in a race pick or you know post race prizes so we, got, we, we didn't get many but we, we got one in particular that was very interesting, John, and John didn't even know what this was. Tom Ward, my wife Lauren and I raced the Forest Warrior Obstacle Course race for a bit of fun this weekend. Bit of fun. To everyone's surprise, the organisers, Andrea and Andy, had put cock rings, that is not a typo, in okay. the goodie bags. Okay, very original. what a cock ring is, John. Very original, very useful, very effective, according to Tom Ward. <laughs> Judging from the comments on their Facebook page, it has been a very popular decision and I didn't know what a cock ring was okay I've gone to Wikipedia John because I'm just doing my research for the show it's not a good thing to put in YouTube for a search yeah. a cock ring is a ring that must be placed around a penis yeah. usually at the base primarily to uh, slow the function of uh, the flow of blood from the erect penile tissue thus maintaining an erection for a much longer period cock rings can be worn around the just the penis or both the penis and the scrotum or just the scrotum alone though uh, this is usually called the testicle cuff (laughs) (laughs) get your terminology right (laughs) rings can be made out of a variety of different material most commonly uh, leather rubber or silicon though nylon and metal metal, (laughs) you would want to do that would you would also be used as a main component in a part of the closure the term cock ring is sometimes used as a Prince Albert piercing which is John, we don't want to get it. Do you know what that is? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you don't want it. Let's, let's stop there. Guess. But it, it's pretty audacious to to put a cock ring in a race entry bag. Challenge, you guys want to do things differently. Yeah, well, uh, I don't yeah. know if it's much of a family affair. What happens with the kids? What's this, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> 
Interesting. So there you go. Really so interesting. I think that wins. Uh, Stephen Morris has got uh, Stephen Ferrari Morris finished on the podium at a country race and won a boot camp voucher. Needless to say, I gave it away. Graham Laurie, I won a race overall one time and I was treated to a free round of golf at a local golf club. Oh, that's good old uh, Andrew Weston. Uh, the only race I ever won, it was a handicap, and I obviously sandbagged my handicap time. Hey, you still won it. Uh, first prize was a dozen organic eggs. Breakfast was pretty great the next oh, day. Nice one. Jens uh, Du Olsen, a small 5K run in Denmark. We all got a surprisingly well-equipped race bag, including a beer opener and a condom. <laughs> what, what's with the sex thing? But there's another one here with condoms as well. Um, Arno, good old Arno, wine in an unhealthy quantity and quantity in France condoms a supercraft cutter at Ironman WA what's a supercraft cutter it's just like you, you know you one the blade comes out and you, know, you can break the blade off I think you know oh yeah okay Tim Carpenter when IMWA was sponsored by there supercraft oh there you go one year there was a hammer in the race bag another year there was a utility knife it's so good use a knife practical <laughs> practical isn't it you, although you may get taken off on the way home on the flight. Yes, good point. Yeah, Lucy Francis in France, they have a marathon where they give you wine, not just at the finish, but also at the aid stations. That would be an interesting Marathon de Medoc, nice. Yep. Uh, Joshua Hickey, every man Jack supplied shampoo, soap and deodorant in our bag and located showers at the finish line. So it was wide seeing everyone scrubbing down in the public you know they have that at road it was pretty cool remember that yeah yeah yeah, at road there's showers so you go in and it's quite nice after the race yeah and they're not open showers you you know there's a bit of privacy weren't they because it was good crap when we did road that year yeah yeah no they're they're great um kobe try uh kobe try okay sorry um i am antworth uh crappy rub sack with a bottle of cheap wine white wine in it Kevin Murray a few years ago when my daughter was about 7 years old she took part in a race for life 5k run there are a few questions when she opened her carrier bag with a medal a bottle of water and various female products oh, really <laughs> uh, Trevor Calston uh, Keston is it Keston I say yeah. Keston uh, way back when early 80s I did a 10 miler a pack of cigarettes <laughs> nice <laughs> they were the lighter more healthier cigarettes so that, seriously what the f yeah uh what about you john well i can't remember too much in terms of race bags but i did win a set of garden um furniture in france once well, I won garden, a, like furniture like a table and chairs and everything well, like that i won this um it was a cool race you swam in a pool and you biked up a mountain and you ran at the top of the mountain um what else did I have? I had something else. I won a, a, um, a power plug. I think that was the first race I ever won. A oh. multi, multi-adapter power plug. That was pretty cool. You probably still got it. Probably have. And... That's about it. That's I won a fish once. You won a fish? That was good. At the, um, I won a, the Havelock to Anakiwa Triathlon. There used to be so many great little events. This was a point-to-point. You sort of started one place. You swam 750 metres. You jumped on your bike. You biked to this town, and then you ran 5K to the finish. It was literally a point-to-point. Um, Marlborough Sounds. Okay. It was cool. So I won a fish. It was good. Was it good fish? Yeah, nice, massive, big salmon. Oh. I think it was salmon. Bevan? I can't really recall anything significant that I was like, wow, that's mind-blowing. But I have to say, I'm in New Zealand, when I've done it, I've always had good little goodies in the pack. Like, I remember mm. the, the wheel bag. Yeah. That was a really good one. Like, the, you know, they always would have really good gifts in the pack, you know. And you always think, oh, that's, and it was actually quite practical stuff you'd often yep. use. Um, 
But I can't really recall any kind of funny thing I've ever really won. I definitely didn't get a cock ring. No. Let's put no it that cock way. Ring. Let's, let's Did you win five bucks in any bike races or anything like $10. that? $10. $10. My first ever bike race, I won $10. I thought it was the greatest <laughs> thing ever. I did a C grade race. I didn't know they had prize money. Yeah. And I got third. And it did my head in because I probably shouldn't have been in C grade, first of all. But second of all, the guy who won it just sat at the back all day and sprinted at the end. And I thought, and it just really put me off cycle racing because I was like, what's all that about? You just, you know, and I was an idiot. I was at the front pushing hard the whole way yeah. and then got done in the sprint. But I just thought, this is a stupid sport. You just be lazy and you win. And, yeah. and uh, but I went to the prize giver, I got 10 bucks. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Did you go and give him a shove after the race? Yeah, man, you weren't doing any work. The here, worst thing about it was he, he was a bit of a dork and he was kind of walking by head like he was a man. I was like, mate. You did no work. Like, <laughs> that was the problem. I had no respect for him. But at the end of the day, he raced a wise race. But it was just, I was like, oh, this is a stupid sport. Yeah. You know, and he's probably joked cheat. <laughs> <laughs> Have to say, John, as much as we were giving the Australian cricket team hard work last week, they dominated the dojo this Poms, week, didn't they? You, you did a pommy and a kiwi type thing. You fit, play fantastically. Then you do the world's they worst They pulled your pants down your palms. Oh, dear. Second innings out for 100. And what yeah, happened? That's yeah, disgraceful. Oh, so, so Aussies, we gave you a hard time last week. But you know what? Your team turned around and they they maybe deserved it's a bit because they got rid of a couple, one of the dorks out of the team. That's why they oh, did better. Did they get rid of Haddon or did they get rid of one of the others? Would he go home? They got rid of something. They got rid of Watson. Did they really? Yeah. Mm. Mm. The, the one I the, the Smith the young guy Smith he seems yeah. like a good kid don't know him he seems really nice yep. this week so you just heard my thoughts on how fantastic the ITU <laughs> racing is yep would a pro multi-lap race actually work and maybe give us some feedback on how it w- if you think it would work or if you think it's a stupid idea you'd have like a three lap swim well, maybe yeah. how you think it would work yeah a bike laps of 15 to 20k and run laps of 7k so would it, would it work if you had a decent, strong pro field or would it be stupid and would you do you think it's just breaking with tradition and we shouldn't do it? What? Oh, oh, you haven't had your extra sleep this morning. Oh, no, we man, I actually had some more last night so I can't complain. I'm going to Auckland tomorrow, John, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I start work at maybe 11. Guess what flight they've got me on? Oh, you always complain about this. The 5.30 in the morning. That sucks. It's flying out, so I've got to be mm. there at 5. Mm. What's all that about, Willis? Book your own flights. Take responsibility. Oh, they don't let me. Okay. Because they want the cheap option. Yeah. Uh, that's how I'm going to Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't booked me on the cheap flight there. Now, actually, I'm going to Sweden. And um, I thought I'd take a few days on the way home. And I thought mm-hmm. I'd go to, uh, there, there was the thought of going to the UK because mm-hmm. the Rubber World Cup's on. We discussed this last week. Yeah. But then the prices. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to spend a few days in LA. I thought on the way home because I fly through LA, so I thought, oh, I love mm-hmm. it. I, I love comedy, so mm-hmm. I want to spend a few days in LA and go see some comedy shows and maybe you know if there's any music on and stuff. I wouldn't mind house staying with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really want to pay for accommodation. So yeah. if anyone who lives in the LA region, you know, mm-hmm. he's got a spare room. Yeah, would like to meet a, a really like, cool guy from a podcast like you listen to. Bit of chauffeuring around as well. That's right. You know, I, I, no, I don't, I'll go hire a car. Yeah, because I want to go out at night a lot. So you know, so I want to go out crazy. and just. Entertain, oh, I'm not going to be home yeah. that late, but yeah. you know, I want to kind of just go out and experience some stuff in LA. So. Just saying, if there's a room, you want, you know, some cool guy from Christchurch, New Zealand. He'll bring you a Kiwi cock ring with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. <laughs> That's a cold call. <laughs> thanks for having me. It's <laughs> <laughs> made out of flax. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. So, I don't know, if you're, if you're in the California region, and I probably want to stay closer to LA, I don't want to necessarily go that far away from that region. I know LA is a bit of a hole. Mm. Not a hole, but it's, you know, it's not the... the the best part of California, but just you know, 
put it out there put it out there <laughs> put it out there so uh, there you go okay this week's discussion is the multi-lap John I'm going to put some music on Statistic is coming Statistic it's fantastic okay really John my music wasn't great no, I, I tried to go different. Congo drums don't really work for statistic. Next That's week, okay. we'll be That's okay. Uh, so we've got a. You know, I'm going to try to keep statistic, you know, nice and short and specific. Okay. It's, it's supposed to be one stat or just one or two. Okay. Um, this one's sent in from Arno. It's a good stat. This year, Nicola Spirig, she's gearing up for Kona. And I think for the first time ever, that a reigning Olympic champ is going to give a crack at Kona. So the stat is, oh, she will be, if she races first it, reigning champion. first reigning champion. And that led on to another stat that I really want to say now. Go I'm on, just, save do, it, it just another... do it. Go on. Come on, you've, you've, come on. Okay. Yes. So, the Europeans have dominated the dojo at the Olympics for females. So you had, in 2000, you had Bridget, Bridget McMahon from Switzerland okay, good. win. Okay, 2004. 2004, you had... Come on, you're pretty good at this stuff, John Newsom. Uh, Beijing, it was Kate Allen. Kate Allen now, from... Austria. Yes. She is an Australian, but she was racing for G'day, Australia. G'day, mate. So we'll, she's still cool, 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 Austrian. And then in... Why'd you race for Austria? She couldn't make the Australian team. Yeah. And then she won the gold. Yeah. Oh, that's a slap in the face, <laughs> isn't it? That is sensational. And then in London, you had Nicholas Spirik, who's the reigning champion. So no athletes from down under or anything like that it's been a european all, all domination American. no americans things are going to probably change at the next olympics okay well there you go so the two great stats this week okay jumbo we've got an interview coming up with last week's i am uk champion winner john lucy gossage so we're going to put her on she's a great chick she, she is indeed always good to talk to her, isn't she so we're going to put that on right now hello <clears throat> Okay, so as you guys have heard earlier in the show, Ironman UK was on the weekend. The British weather was fantastic as always. <laughs> um, and we've got the female winner, Lucy Gossage, on the show. Welcome back to the show. She dominated the dojo. She did dominate the dojo. Yeah, that's but, official. But... I've got a, a. I often give you know my athletes a pep talk. You know the the week leading into the race, saying right. You know when you come at you, you don't want to be cranky in that last five k of the run. You want to be putting it all out there. And when you cross the finish line, you want to be so spent you're absolutely toasted. But it seemed like you had a fair amount of energy to run up and down that finish line several times once you were done. Oh yeah, I mean I. I, I don't know. They don't come around that often, do they, wins? And, um, yeah, I've got a bit of a reputation. <laughs> I think um, I felt like I had to live up to it. And, yeah, I don't know, you're just, you're just, you've been out there so long and gone through so many emotions, and it all just comes out. And, um, yeah, I just, yeah, I, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just what happens when I win. <laughs> it's kind of like a, it's uncontrollable. Um, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so you're 10th overall. It's, it's, it's sometimes really hard for us to judge, you know, how well a race has gone because the field was not um, particularly strong. You, you finished 10th mm. overall and you were you know, relatively close to the front guys in terms of, you know, the difference. So at, was, <coughs> was, was the race uh, a great race for you? Yeah, I think it was um, was probably my best race actually. Um, I, I mean, it was it was horrendous conditions on the bike. It was like the first first hour and a half you couldn't see it. like the visibility you could you, you could see about five meters ahead. Oh really? Um, it was absolutely chucking it like torrential rain. Um, and you, you know you're going to get me round about like how am I going to get around this roundabout without coming off? Literally going around is about two miles an hour. Um, 
Um, but then it cleared out and then got pretty windy. Um, so it, it was really cold for the first couple of hours. But um, yeah, and I didn't have a power meter, but I look at my bikes. I think I bike really well. And um, the run, I just felt great. Um, it's a shame. I think Michelle Vesterby, who probably would have been the closest competition, I think she, she ended up getting signposted. I passed her quite early on on the bike, but um, her and a Japanese girl, I think, ended up going the wrong way for a bit. Um, so I would have thought she'd be closer to me, probably. Um, but she, obviously, having done extra, then I think decided to pull out, um, which is a shame. So um, in terms of, you know, you're you know, moving through your career, you know, there's a lot of athletes, there's so many Ironmans on these days that, you know, some athletes can win races and we go, yep, they're the next thing. And you, you've won races before, but it, it just seems to me that, you know, this year you had a really good second in South Africa and you weren't far behind Jodie Swallow, who's, you know, one of the consistent performers at the, the really big races, you know, in Kona she does well and um, sometimes she explodes, but it seems like, have you made that, you feel you've made that step up where you're not just a good pro now, you're actually sort of I'd, I'd consider you one of those people when you're looking at the Kona field you're going well she's got the potential to actually do pretty well here oh it's kind of you to say that but I mean <laughs> if I could swim you know I think my bike and run particularly on on hilly courses a bit technical yeah I mean my run was was a really good run yesterday because it's it's a it's a bloody tough run so yeah I'm I'm really pleased with my bike and run but I'm still left with the fact that I can't swim so I'm I, you know unless I somehow learn to swim I'm never going to be a contender in Kona you know I no one in my swim pack last year made the top 10 so um I'm a bit screwed really <laughs> I mean I will go and um you know I'll do my best but um yeah I still think I still think there's another jump up um but yeah, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Swimming's a swimming's a bugger if you can't do it. I do try. I don't just kind of ignore it. But um, yeah, it's hard hard to learn. <laughs> well, how do you go about addressing that? You know, like obviously it's the area where you need to kind of develop yourself the most, and I'm sure you're putting lots of energy and lots of thought, and maybe uh, coaching goes into your swimming. But when you think about how do I get the best gains from my training, how do you actually approach improving your swimming? And I've, I've been having some one-to-one sessions um, with with a guy just in Cambridge. He's, I, my swimming has got better, but it's a, it's just such a slow slow step. And and I think at the moment I'm probably kind of I would be able to lead around the third pack, but I'm not yet going to get into the second pack. Um, and so, and I, I I think actually I, I kind of I don't train my bike and run in the same way that most people do. I, I seem to just go out and ride my bike and I do a lot of races for fun and that kind of gets me fit. But mm. swimming, I would say I, I kind of do train it, but it's the one that that is, is yeah, is the hardest to improve. It's just so technical, isn't it? And yeah. I clearly am not talented at it at all. But, um, yeah, so, and I, yeah. And so in terms of planning your year, you know, last year Kona was, uh, I mean, I had a bad Kona and yours was uh, was, was even worse. You were even worse. didn't you, when yeah. you were <laughs> well, well, I was still running at that stage, just. Um, <laughs> so how much of a focus is Kona for you this year? You know, in terms of when you map out your whole year, you know, you did South Africa, you've done um, Bolton now and you've got Kona. Um, you know, do you lead your season into Kona or are you just trying to be a consistent racer um, throughout the season? Well, I like last year, I, I, I started off really well and then I kind of, I didn't have a great middle to the year and, and obviously the end, I got injured and the end was just a disaster. Um, and I kind of had rested the whole season on Kona and and, and then it was, it was a shocker. And so 
So this year I thought, well, sort of, I don't know how long I'm going to be doing this. So I just want to have some fun. And I didn't need to do Ironman UK in terms of points or anything. But I just thought I just want to go out there. And I love racing at home. It's, and you can imagine, you get so much support. And it, it's proper British weather, British roads, crappy, you know, it's England. And it's, it was great racing there. So I feel now that I can, I can go to Kona and, you know, I don't have any pressure to do well. It, you know, even if I go and have a shocker, I'll still be pretty pleased with my season. So I think for me, I, I, I don't race well when I put pressure on myself and when I take it. Like last year, I, it was the first year without working and I was, I was doing it. I spoke to Chrissy on the phone and she was telling me what she did. And every time I was out training, I was like, God, I'm not doing what Chrissy did. And I was trying to do it all seriously. And it, it just didn't work. All it did was make me injured. So this year I've gone back to basics and I'm, yeah, just doing what I always used to do and loads of races for fun and just kind of enjoying it. And it seems to be working. <laughs> yeah, obviously. You know, like Kona obviously is the big carrot of our sport. Uh, at the same time, you know, you, you could probably guarantee more money elsewhere. Kona's, Kona's a bit more of a gamble for, you know, pros. What's the appeal of going back? Um, and I'm not doing it to make money, this triathlon. Like, it, you know, it's nice to be able to cover your costs, but it, making loads of money isn't isn't the reason like I'm doing it <laughs> um and yeah I'll probably go to Kona and, and I won't make any money at all but I feel I think it it's the only you know it's, it's great winning a race where you're gallivanting around at the front but you never really find out how good you are because you're not really tested mm-hmm. like my second in South Africa last year when it was a a really close finish was probably a a more well it wasn't a better performance but you're in a race and you're you know you find out how much you can suffer whereas when you're winning you don't really ever have to suffer that much mm. um and, and so, yeah, I think it's, it's it's the only place you can line up against the best in the world. And, and also, I failed at it once, and I can't, like, quit. With, at the moment, it's beaten me, so I feel like I have to go back, because otherwise I'll just be quitting and saying, well, I was rubbish there, or I'll never do well. And I probably won't. It's not my kind of course. It's, you know, it's flat. It's Your swim is much more important than other races. Yeah, I probably won't ever do well, but I do want to go and try and at least run that bloody marathon rather than walk 21 miles of it. Mm. In terms of getting there, um, you know, as you said, you didn't need to do Bolton, um, and you, you, I haven't seen the, the points update today, but I'm sure you're even further up the rankings. Um, how, you know, we've obviously had this chorus of uh, 50 women to Kona, and, and you were someone last year when there was all this going on in the background um, in terms of whether they were going to change the female structure or not, and you were one of those people that would have been affected because I seem to recall you were somewhere on that sort of cusp of getting in or not getting in. Um, what do you think about the 50 women to Kona, or, or do you have a better alternative? Um. I, th- I think it's tricky, actually. Um, I think whatever they do, they need to do it at the start of the qualification period. Because last year they they actually offered, and you know this, like they offered some extra slots around this. Probably, I think it was eight weeks before Kona, which which was completely unfair because everyone had planned their seasons and done extra races to get these points. So then mm. offering them at such short notice, and it was it was a complete gimmick. It was on a now or never basis. You had to do effectively community service for Ironman. So. Um, yeah, I definitely didn't agree with that. So they do need to do it at the start of the qualification year. Um, I think, I I actually think 35 women, I, there's arguments both ways, but I, so I don't feel that strongly about the number of women. What I do feel very strongly about is the, the number of Ironman races we have to do to get there. Um, so we effectively have to do one more podium than mm. than the men to get there. So I when I, I was second in the championship race, which for a man would be enough pretty much to get there maybe with a second in 70.3 or something 
Whereas I, and I got lucky because I had a couple of good 70.3s, but in effect I needed to get another Ironman podium. And I think, I think it's really unfair that, that women have to, have to effectively do another race. So if they're going to stick with 35 women and, you know, there's, there's arguments for both ways. Um, probably 50 is the fairest just mm. because, you know, for grassroots argument, but whatever, I think they need to make the system fair so that, so that you're not turning up, you know, with too many armen in your legs. Cause it does take a lot out of you. Mm. Um, yeah, but I, I just think I, I got really cross because I heard you interviewed Andrew Messick and I heard his his comment that it's easier for a woman to qualify than a man, <laughs> and that was just after I'd come second at South Africa. I was like, how is it? You know that the, the depth at the front of the women's field is just as strong for the women yeah, and the men. Definitely. And there was I, I'd come second, and I had to do another arm man, whereas the man that had come second was more or less there. So I was yeah. like, how is it easier? Yeah. That, that really annoyed me. I think I commented <laughs> on it on your Facebook. I think a few people, I think David and I both looked at each other and thought, we probably should ask another question there, but let's... <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> so what's yeah. the outlook for you? You know, you're, you're a qualified doctor. We probably asked you this question last time, um, but, you know, you're probably a, a year or more further down the track. Um, you know, um, how long are you sort of giving yourself um, in terms of uh, sticking with this versus, you know, pursuing your professional career oh it's really tricky that's the um yeah so at, I mean, at the moment I've got a two years out which actually ends in April next year um and obviously that's a well I don't I don't yeah that's a stupid time to go back to work um because it's yeah. April as well yeah. Yeah. um <laughs> so uh, but but yeah so I'm hoping I can can get another Kona um or another season and you know extend it for another six seven months or a bit basically next year as well mm. um whether I can or not is is a difficult is a different matter because um, you you yeah it's tricky um, and I'm kind of I'm kind of torn because I think I'm 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 really enjoying what I'm doing right now and it's quite nice that I'm starting to get a bit of a platform that I can do some interesting stuff with as well kind of linking you know through the triathlon and it it would be a real shame to lose that but equally fundamentally I'm a doctor and that's what I will be in you know in five years ten years time. Um, and I can't, I can't sabotage that in the long run. Um, mm. So yeah, there'll be some interesting conversations to have. Um, you kind of got two. I've kind of got two parallel lives, and yeah, yeah. I don't want to lose what I'm doing now, and and lose the opportunities that are starting to come with it. You know, not more than the swim bike and run, but the swim bike and run are leading on to to other things, which could be quite exciting. Um, do, yeah. Do you want to, so di- to divulge any of that now? <laughs> No, 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 not really. There's just a, yeah, just a few things in the pipeline that it just just yeah, potential potential things that might link medicine and um, yeah. Anyway, no, they're just just various various like. But you know, the more well known you get, and and yeah, I guess in the you UK, can, I suppose it gives you an opportunity, doesn't it? Yeah, and and um, I think when I when I was negotiating my sabbatical, actually, I was telling telling my boss, you know, oh, triathlon will teach me so much that will make me a better doctor in the long run. And I was kind of spilling it all out and just saying it as something that I was saying, you know, as a, to, to try and get the sabbatical, um, convincing myself and him really that it wasn't a complete waste of time. But the more you do it, the more you realize you do, you learn huge amounts that mm. the doctors just don't get. And, you know, just the, the sponsorship, the business sense, the public, I did quite a lot of talks and things like that. It's all, all skills that you, you know, I, I did. I don't know. On the Friday, I went to the pasta party, and they did a Q and A with me on stage. And I was just sitting there waiting to go on. And I was like, "This is ridiculous!" Like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a doctor. Why? What? How have I somehow ended up that they're interviewing me on this stage at this Ironman pasta party? But mm. it's all it's all useful skills that 
essentially will will probably make me a better doctor in the long run. But how? I don't know. I, it's all, it's not very tangible. With, I'm waffling. <laughs> with, um, with regards to the whole idea of going from being a working person to being a full-time athlete, now I imagine you know most people listening to the show think they're living the dream, you know, the whole idea of not having to work and just train all day. Uh, while I'm sure you're absolutely loving it, what are some of the downsides of it that you maybe didn't foresee before you actually had this lifestyle? Um, I mean, it's great when things are going well. Um, I, I find it, I think, I think quite often, you know, it's, it's a very selfish hobby being a, a triathlete or job or whatever you want to call it and I think I struggle with the fact that it's all about all about trying to get you when I actually think about it you know I'm, all I'm doing is trying to get as quick as possible and, and when I ask the question why am I doing it it's like what's the point there isn't there isn't really a, it, it's I, I think I struggle with that with, with not doing anything useful yep. in my week to anyone else um and that like that makes me sound like I'm oh I'm a really nice person but it's not I think it's as much as <laughs> in a way that I just, you know, I like being thanked. And, you know, as a doctor, you're seeing cancer patients and you're being thanked every day. And actually, when I was doing my research, you're doing something useful. You can get home every day and say, well, I did something good. And even if someone dies, you can still go home and write down 10 things you did that day that make a difference. Mm. And when I was doing my research in the lab, like, I didn't get that and I hated that. And that's why I got good at triathlon because the PA, you know, you, you mix up these test tubes or whatever and then you drop them on the floor and it all goes wrong and no one... You haven't achieved anything. You could do that for months on end. And, and so triathlon kind of became my validation. Mm. And now, now I'm just doing triathlon. And it's nice to suddenly to, to start getting a few more opportunities to do, to do just little things that um, kind of make triathlon a bit more worthwhile. You know, school visits or doing a talk or ju- just something little, bits and bobs with charities and things. It's nice mm. to be able to do stuff like that. Um, mm. and, and, yeah, it's, it can be quite lonely sometimes. You know, you wake up, you're going for a swim everyone else is going to work and you're just kind of going back. The, the thing I find hardest actually, which, which most people probably won't understand is, is napping. Um, and most people would think, Oh, that'd be amazing to have a nap. And, and I, but for me, I, like I see it, it's part of the job and I know, it, I know it makes me quicker because it means that I can train better in the evening or whatever, but the sun is shining and everyone is out there doing something useful. And I go and I've done my session in the morning. I go and put some crap TV on close my blinds and lie down and try and have a nap. And I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Like, mm. I, I really struggle with that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but it, it does make you, you know, it, it's performance enhancing, as it were. Nice. <laughs> so in terms of the, the rest of your season, you know, um, you've got to enjoy the rest of this fantastic British summer. Um, what, 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 <laughs> it's what you... been really nice. Yeah, it's been good, hasn't it? <laughs> what, it's what, been amazing. What, so what's your, what's your plan in terms of uh, sort of the lead into Kona from here? I, honestly, I haven't really got one. I I, I didn't really think <laughs> I love them. <laughs> no, see, I'm serious. I haven't got um I haven't got anything. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'll do some seventy point threes. I was vaguely thinking about doing Zoffingen, that duathlon. I did that a couple of years ago, and I, I always said I wanted to go back. Um, a good league strength, yeah, isn't no, it? Uh, yeah, it might be a bit too long. <laughs> yeah, on, honestly, I haven't got a clue what I'm going to do. Um, does does yeah, no UK give you much exposure? Like, you know, like, obviously, because triathlon seems, well, from from our perspective, it seems like triathlon, you know, for a minor sport, does pretty well in the UK as an exposure, and obviously, you guys are bloody successful at it. Um, mm. But, you know, like, how much kind of exposure is winning, you know, the biggest, well, the branded I'm in, in the UK? Um, I mean, in the triathlon world, loads. Um, in the, like, it wouldn't have made any of the, the national news or anything. 
you probably get on, I think it will get on local radio or something, but yeah, it's mainly just triathlon world, I think. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I can't imagine there'll be anything else. And probably um, the final thing I've got is, is you know, Chrissy has obviously had uh, such a big impact in our sport over the years, but it seems like she doesn't really have, from, from what I can see, doesn't really have any involvement. I know she's pregnant now, um, but is she still, you know, do, do people still see her around in the UK in terms of doing anything in the triathlon world, or has she, she moved on to, to different pastures? She's doing a lot um, with Park Run. I don't know if you guys have it in in New Zealand. Yeah, so she's, I know she, I don't know what her position is, but she's quite high profile with that. Um, So, so yeah, she's doing that. Um, And that's one of the things I'm trying to think of, like how I can, I'm trying to get ways of of keeping triathlon in my life when I'm I'm working again. So I I envisage kind of working part-time in the long run and then doing, doing other things maybe with with cancer societies linking them with cancer charities linking them with triathlon and mm. you know helping raise money and, and doing things like that um because i think it'd be i find it really hard to because my you know i've got so many friends now through triathlon you meet and it's really humbling when you're running along i think that's why i like racing in the uk you're running along all these people just cheering you and supporting you and i don't want to just lose that out of my life completely when you know just go back to work and that's it and you never do a triathlon again so I'm trying to think of ways that I can do it non-competitively and kind of still have it in my life, you know, in a few years' time. Just think, um, many, just think how many more people would have been cheering if you'd been wearing like a I Am Talk bike jersey or something oh, like that. Seriously, they would have loved you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. They quite like the, <laughs> the skin suit pulled down with my – looks like I've got a jumper around the waist. <laughs> it's not a good look, my race outfit. Um, I, I look like a jumper. So any, any um, ways you know, or anything you want to promote in terms of way pe- ways people can follow you or uh, anything you're doing with any sponsors or anything like that? Um, so I'm Lucy Goss on Twitter um, and, yeah, I'm on Facebook. Um, and, yeah, I mean, my main sponsor is Erdinger um, and they're, yeah, they're, they're brilliant. They, it's, it's really nice being part of, part of a team and, um, yeah, and financially they make it possible. So, so they're the main sponsor. Um, I'm riding a Borman bike this year. And um, yeah, I've got oh, I've got too many other sponsors. I'm not going to list them all. They know who they are. Blue nice. Seventy, you guys like Blue we Seventy. Like Blue 70, yeah. um, good wetsuits. Just Fantastic. wish I was a swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, awesome. Oh, we look forward to seeing you and um, whatever you end up doing between here and Kona, and look forward to you being that one that does make it from the third pack out of the swim, or, to, or, or, the or to hang on to that second pack and get yourself a top ten in Kona. So, all the best with the rest of your season. Oh, thank you very much. And maybe I'll, I might come to New Zealand next year for Tapo. You never know. Great. So, oh, we'll it's a you. dream I've little got. Anyway, thanks for talking to me. No worries. <laughs> thanks, Lucy. Thanks, Lucy. Cheers. Bye. Okay, John, that was Lucy Gossage, and she is a good person. Yeah. Just got a different attitude to, you know, I, I often with the pros, I think, yeah, it will be about money, making, yeah. doing this, this, and this, and you know, but she's just out there having a good time, which is great. And was well, interesting when she was talking about how that whole idea of, you know, last year she tried to, you know, do it by the book and didn't really necessarily work as great for her as this year she's doing it, you know, how do I enjoy this experience? And it's proving to be a pretty good formula. Yeah, so loving it. So she's, she's, like, she's just one of those people who seems like a rock star as a person. Yeah, you know, you, you, you're not you're not kind of that thick if you're going to be a doctor, are you? No, you not know, usually. Then you win Ironman as well. Some mm-hmm. people just have all the, you know. Some people just they work you got hard. it all, Lucy. You got it all. They work hard. She works hard.
is money. Um, I'm not sure if Lucy's on Athlinks.com, but I love Athlinks because sometimes you can just waste some time on there. So I thought, oh, well, this week I'll go in there and see who's racing Ironman uh, Lake Placid coming up, you know, yep. who's contributed and said, right, I'm racing, and they had the list of starters up there. And the cool thing was, like Placid, you know, they've got all these years of results on there. And I pull up, you know, just look at last year's results. Kyle Buckingham mm. took it out, but I thought, I wonder who the first uh, Athlinks finisher is. And it was, uh, he was actually in... Timothy Clark. Timothy Clark, fourth place. So, oh, you know, click on Timothy Clark. He's an age grouper. Must be doing pretty well there. Good on him. And you click, you can, then you can go and see see what results he's did, blah, blah, blah. And he's only got two Ironmans listed on his results. I thought, oh, yep. that's interesting. He's, um, let's go and see. Surely he's gone off to Kona and, and had a good race there. But you actually go on here. This is a cool thing about athletics. You go two Ironmans, and last year he did a fantastic race at Placid. When was when was that other Ironman? Yep. And it was in 2000. In 2000, this dude went 13 hours and 18 minutes. Wow. 14 years later, 8:51, fourth place overall. That's pretty cool. Wow! Wow! That's pretty impressive. It is. So. Wow! That's mind-blowingly impressive. That and uh, how old is he? Uh, he's in the 30 to 34. So obviously he did the sport as a young man. Yeah. Wow. Maybe he's 34, maybe he did it when he was 20 or something like that. He's done like 29 that. half marathons. He's done 20 10K races. He's done 15 marathons. His best result in a marathon is 2.45. Mm-hmm. His best 10K is 33.55. Best half is 1.18. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. That's just cool. I mean, it's cool for, for us to just comment on it, but it's also cool for... Um, Tim to be able to basically have all the results in one place and go back and you know if, if he'd had, had other Ironmans that had fall, fallen over then he'd have uh, a nice little record of everything he's done he won the cool. Muncie 70.3 age group race nice he's a pretty good athlete yeah um, other people that are racing this weekend you've got Jack Bayliss uh, Laura Mercer Matt Tretter um, Andreas Fool let's see here's some people that have actually got some predictions Jeff Kayser has finished better than 2013 Tony Swanevelt, um finishing better than 2013. Some couple of people put on here they just didn't want to die, um, which is always uh, a good objective to, to achieve out of a race. It's always, yeah, it's always good to live. And uh, let's go down to the bottom. Who's who's predicted they're going to go 15 hours? Jim Avis. Who's predicted they're going to go the quickest? Quickest. You got an 11:59.59 for Kevin McFall from Ottawa, Canada. And uh, yeah, so if you want to look at it, Tim, he really is a guy who's just started out. <coughs> You know, in sport and just got better and better and better. And now, a real example of a consistency, eh? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, if you want to get good at sport, team, just train, be ten, consistent. 10 years. Your, yeah. 10 years of good yeah. training and you'll get there. Yeah. So yeah, check it all out, athlinks.com. If you've got a race that's coming up and you want to see how other people that have done well, just go on there and see who the first athlinks finisher is and then you can go through and just sort of see, you know, see their progression and see if they have come from a bit like um, Tim from... Pretty yeah. humble beginnings. A pedal triathlon. Have you heard of these? Be like a stand-up pedal. Yeah, must do a stand-up pedal bike run. Mm. Wow, stand-up pedaling racing would be funny, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah there's a girl who used to do triathlon from down Wanaka Way who does that. It's sort of one of those fringe sports that's, you know, you get uh, Red Bull sponsoring and all of a sudden it gets popular. Yeah, well, there you go. He did the little Miami triathlon. Nice. So there you go. Okay, Jombo, it took him two hours 46. Nice. Race details. Uh, let me have a look at... Uh, you got about 24th overall, 24%. Nice. So next up, we've got an interview with Tracy Morrison. You're going to hear all about her, a fantastic age group athlete. We haven't done the interview yet. We're going to be doing it in about 15 minutes' time and kick some butt in 
races in Australia, and we just wanted to hear the female perspective. We've heard from a lot of you know top male age groupers um, like Dan Stablitsky and Sam Guide and people like that, but it's time to get a few more females on. So here we go. Okay, on uh, this week's show, hopefully we're not going to be feeling sick like we were a few weeks ago. We had Dan Stablitsky on the show, and he was the guy who was the fastest age grouper in Kona last year, and he's just like come from no background, and within like two or three years, just winning the bloody Broke Kona. Heart, didn't it? It's like bloody hell, Broke give, give heart. us a break. And we may have a similar story today. So Tracy Watson's our guest. So I put the call out. We wanted some more females on the show. She only started in 2011, and in that time, she's done six Ironmans, and her most recent, one of her recent finishes was a 9:38 at <laughs> Ironman Melbourne, being the fastest age grouper. So welcome along to the show, Tracy. Uh, great, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, just a, my surname's Morrison, not Watson, actually. Did I Mor- say Watson, did I? Yeah, you did. Yeah, that's, that's normally my mistake, John, not oh, yours. I, mean, I can go by any name, but it's Morrison. Please. Yeah. <laughs> well, done for, well done for letting us know about because sometimes people don't tell you, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I've had people, like, I work at a gym, and I've had people who I've known for years, and I've always called them the wrong name, and they've never told me, and you think, well, why wouldn't you tell me? So, well done, Tracy Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. Now, Tracy, you, you, Bevan, you're gonna, Bevan's gonna be getting all excited. I'm always excited, here, John, because you used to be a bloody gym bunny and teach what Bevan bloody does. <laughs> oh, did you, did you teach body attack? Yeah, I. Um, That's why she's so good, John. Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't taught body attack for a couple of years, but uh, yeah, all through uni, all through my university degree, I taught body attack. That was the way that I. Got income, so it, it's a terrific part-time job. It's just uh, a Did, uh, have I been in your lounge? Have I? You absolutely have been in my lounge. There's this job, one. This there's this one release I remember particularly where you were getting extra excited. I do remember. <laughs> it was great. Oh, was, I, I, feel, was I feel a deeper connection, Tracy. John just doesn't understand us. Yeah, John, you're a bit out of the loop here. Got after a rocky start, of course, you the wrong name. Bloody gym bunny, but anyway. So, in terms of getting into triathlon, though, you you started in 2011. What was the the motivation motivation to get into it, and what was your path like in those um, that sort of first year or so? Um, a colleague of mine, her daughter had registered for uh, the 70.3 in Yapoon here, um, and early in 2011, my colleague said, my daughter's doing the race, you should register for it too, you can run, you teach spin class, maybe you should do it. Um, and I'd done a, a small corporate BRW triathlon before filling in for a friend, so I thought, oh, well, it's just a little bit longer, um, I'll absolutely register for it. And that was in April and all of a sudden it was July and the race was in six weeks and hadn't really ridden a bike much at all outside of a stationary bike, of course, in spin class. Mm. Um, hadn't swum for a fair few years and I'd always run a little bit off and on. Um, and it was around that time that I called my current coach, Simon Knowles, and it was a bit of an interesting conversation because it was really a cry for help. I wasn't quite sure how I was going to get get through 1.9, 90 and 21K run. Um, but Simon Simon took me on and he, I remember him saying to me, oh, I'm not sure what we're going to be able to get done in six weeks. But anyway, we um, we got going, started going to squads, started going to indoor rollers and riding a little bit on the weekend and, yeah, got to the race, made it, <laughs> made it through, survived just. Um, and after that, I just, I was addicted. I was absolutely in love with the sport. Great event. Um, great spectator um, event for you know my dad and my family, 
Um, and so after that, I registered for Melbourne Ironman because that was the first, they'd announced that Melbourne Ironman was going to be first time in 2012. Mm. So the timing just seemed perfect to get into it. If it hadn't have been for the announcement of it in Melbourne, I probably wouldn't have registered so soon. Um, and the following February 2012, I did a 280-20 um, as a bit of a practice. It was only really my second race. Um, and that race went much better, much better than Yapoon. Um, and then I did my first Ironman in March of 2012. What's Simon Knowles do these days? I mean, obviously he's doing coaching, but he used to be a pretty handy um, short course athlete. When they got it, you won't know this, but in the good old days, they used to have the um, sort of the Grand Prix circuit over there, and he was always sort of right up there. Is he still into it? Um, he doesn't really race competitively anymore. I mean, absolutely, he still comes out and trains with us and. You know, when the boys get going on a, on a Saturday, he'll definitely be up there right with them, but not really into the competitive racing anymore, Nolsey. Yeah. So your, your first Ironman, how did that go? Yeah, it went, it went very well, actually. Um, I, was, I was so incredibly nervous. I remember just a couple of weeks before, almost in tears, I just had no idea how on earth I was going to get the whole thing done. Um, but I'd had many chats with Simon and he'd really got me to, to realise that I just needed to, you know, be conservative and just think about, you know, my heart rate and my efforts and not going too hard, obviously, which is the mistake that a lot of people can make. Um, and, yeah, the, the swim went quite well, you know, came out in 63 minutes, which was terrific. Um, the ride, again, went okay. I think I did 5.44, yeah, 5.44 back then. Um, and then the run, of course, is an unknown when you're not quite sure how your legs are going to pull up after a 180k bike ride. Um, but the, the run was just terrific. I ended up doing a 3.33, which was about half an hour faster than I thought I was going to do. I'd done marathon before, but you just don't know how your legs are going to pull up. And um, So all in all, it was just terrific. Um, I mean, about the 25k mark of the run, I started to get the wobbles a little bit and wasn't sure if I was going to make it, but... I remember seeing my dad with about 5Ks to go and he just said something really special and it just got me to the end. So, yeah, it was a great race. Before that, you know, before you got into triathlon, you obviously were teaching and, and I often think a lot of gym people don't realise how fit they are and they go into the real world of sport and they actually often do quite well because, you know, lots of gym instructors just exercise all day. But what was your previous kind of sporting experience or career, you know, before you got into triathlon? <clears throat> I've run several marathons before. Um, my sister and I used to, we used to just go for runs around where we grew up and just loved it. And we did our, our first half marathon in 2005 and that was great. And then we went on and started doing marathon. And we'd always sort of been the type of girls who, do you want to go for a run? And we would go for a run and talk and not worry about zones and heart rates and efforts and those sorts of things. So I'd always, I'd grown up running and even as a as a kid, I didn't play competitive sport I actually was a, um, a boundary umpire for Aussie Rules football in the local league. So oh, I, really? <laughs> yeah. So um, I've grown, I've always grown up running, but I've never grown up competing. So that was a really big shift for me when I started doing triathlon was because you really have to get your head space and your head into a different space when you think about competing and, you know, what you're going to think about. Whereas I just sort of always grown up running around the streets of, yeah, my local area with my sister. Yeah. Um, how did you? How did your sort of goals and place in the sport change? You know, after that sort of first year, you know, you did Melbourne and you were reading out your splits there before, and, and I'd imagine that was a, a pretty competitive day for you in terms of your your placing. Um, 
you know, things probably advanced pretty quickly. So how did your goals and your expectations on what you wanted to get out of the sport change when you had that fairly quick rise up the ranks and success? Yeah, I think after that first season of racing, um, people, I mean, I think I came, I came fifth that first year and, you know, people started to say, oh, you, you know, a little bit quicker and you could be going to Kona and a little bit quicker and you could be going to Kona and, I didn't even really know what this kind of business was was all about. Um, but then obviously the more time you spend in the sport, you start realising just how much respect everyone has for the Kona event. So it was after that that I started thinking, oh, well, maybe I am okay at this sport. Um, and the following season I did have Kona in the back of my mind and obviously I, I knew that I was going to be a little bit quicker just by another season of, of training. Um, and in that 13, uh, 2013 Melbourne Ironman, when I, I think I came ninth, um, I think that's the lowest I've ever really placed, um, I learned a lot from that race because my head was just really, all I wanted to do was just qualify, 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 and I forgot about those things that Simon had taught me about listening to your heart rate, listening to your power and just being conservative, so I had a bit of a rough race that day. Um, but I think for me that was something, it was really good to happen because it helped me to really <laughs> refocus and after that I even I just wanted Kona more and more but I knew that the way that I was going to get it was by being a little bit more intellectual about things um being smart about how I was training listening to my body in races and also just believing that I could I could do it and so run us through to 2014 then because you I know you raced Kona last year um how did the qualification go you know 12 months down the track uh, so the 2014 Melbourne Ironman race was, was yeah, probably, I mean, outside of the race this year, was probably the best race that I, I've done. Um, I came out of the swim, I'm pretty sure I was first out of the swim, and then girls always passed me on the bike, that's when the leg I've had to work the hardest at improving, and I think I was fourth at the end of the, the ride, so I knew that there were a couple of quick girls in front of me and um, it's a it's a point-to-point race in Melbourne which in some ways is good in some ways is a little bit tricky because you don't know where you are um, but as I was and I'd said to my family um, and to my my friends and my boyfriend don't tell me how far behind I am I just need to run my own race because the 13 race I'd worried about what everyone else was doing mm. um, and yeah Frankston to Melbourne you've just got a lot of time and those kilometer markers just tick over and you've got a lot of time to think about how you're going and how you're feeling and it was interesting even though my family didn't tell me that I was getting closer to the girl that was in third I could tell by how much their their voices were getting higher pitched every time they saw me. So I knew that I was getting closer. I knew I was getting closer. And it was within the last kilometre that I saw her and I passed her and I only ended up finishing one minute ahead of her. Oh, wow. Um, but it was enough. It was enough. <laughs> we got a, I got my spot down. They gave spots to the first three. So that was a really special race to qualify in because it was a race where I knew that I'd raced exactly perfectly to the best that I could and I was smart about it. And when I needed to to speed up a little bit to move into third, I did. When you you know you do Melbourne, you you have a great day, you qualify for Kona. What's the approach you start to take to Kona? Was you did you do the whole I've got there, I just get to enjoy it, or did you want to be competitive in Kona? Like what were the thoughts leading into the race? Yeah, with Kona last year, I felt like a beginner all over again. Um, I wasn't as nervous as what I was for my first one in two thousand and twelve, but. You know, I, I spent 
hours watching YouTube clips of, you know, the pros and age groupers and everyone else in Kona and, you know, just the voiceovers and the music and all the drama about it. Maybe that got into my head a little bit, but I was, I was really nervous. I knew that the conditions were going to be full on. Um, bike has always been the thing that has been my weakness and I knew that it was going to be windy and I knew that it was undulating and I knew that it was going to be a really full-on bike course. So going into it, I, I just said to myself, you, you got there, you get to go over and experience it. It's not going to be the only time you go over there, so just relax about it a little bit, go over, um, have a great trip and enjoy it, which is, which is what I did. And when, I look at, <clears throat> when you look at my times from Kona, obviously they're significantly slower than any other race that I've done. And my placing, I, ca- I came 29th in my category. Um, but no regrets at all. I have a lot of respect for some of the other girls in my – I mean, some of the age group at times there were insane. I just couldn't believe it. And it gave me a whole new respect for the pros, of course, but also for the, the really top-end age groupers there. Um, so we, we, we talked to a number of top male um, age groupers and a lot of them, they have different approaches, but it seems like by and large most of them either train by themselves or have fairly small training groups. Um, maybe tell us a bit about your, your training setup. Yeah, so Simon runs, we have squad, um, you know, Monday, Wednesday morning and there's about, you know, 10 or 12 of us, it varies um, from week to week. Um, so there's about yeah, 12 of us who go there. Um, Simon runs you know, indoor roller sessions on a Tuesday and a Thursday. And again, there's usually 12 to 20 of us there. Similar crew. Some, some of the people I train with are triathletes. Some of the people are just cyclists. Um, and then on Saturday, we have a group ride, which is you know, the same group of people pretty much every, every week. Um, between 10 and, you know, 14 of us. Yeah, so there's, it's mostly guys. There are a few girls, though. There, um, there's probably about four regular women on the Saturday ride and the rest are, are guys. So what's the, the dynamic like for, for females? Because for you, you know, if you, when you're a top age grouper, whether you're male or female, you're not going to have that many people to train with. You know, if you're a top male age grouper, then maybe you can train with some of the, the pro athletes. But then, you know, if you try to train with other guys, you're going to be crushing them. But for <laughs> girls, you know, you're going to be, um, you can either do the same sort of thing. You can crush a lot of the female athletes that you might feel like training with or, you know, it'd be a lot easier for you to go out and train with, you know, good age group guys and they'll sort of be able to put you in your place so how do you sort of work it in with the guys and do you enjoy training with them a lot more or do you kind of gravitate towards the females I definitely like training with with the boys I mean growing up umpiring I trained a lot with with boys there so it's sort of a natural thing for me um Riding with the guys is terrific. I mean, obviously, they're, they're faster than me and it has been the thing I've had to work on the most. So the, the first Saturday ride I ever went on, I think I kept up for a total of 12 minutes. And it's a, it's a bit of a tough love ride. You know, you, you keep up or then you just get – Yeah, we just see you at the coffee shop in a few hours. Um, but, listen, that's just one thing. That's just been something that's helped me progress. And they, you know, taught me about drafting and taught me about staying on the wheel and – you know, some of those guys, you know, getting on Knowles' wheel, even pace, no, he's not going to break. You can really just draft off him and start to start to try and push and keep up the power. So, um, yeah, I do. I really like training with the guys. Sometimes, obviously, a bit of testosterone gets in the way and there'll be certain parts of the ride where all of a sudden one of them wants to 
you know, have a surge and then everyone just takes off and Tracy who can't, I mean, I can't do power of 350 watts yeah. while we're going down plenty roads. So I just will then catch up at the, the next point. But um, yeah, and the, the girls that I train with as well, it's, it's quite nice because we all are improving all the time. I think that training with people who are significantly better, you get, you get better much quicker, obviously. What's, what's the difference in dynamic? You know, like, uh, like it's, you know, when you get, get a group of guys, that, you know, on a boys' night out, and then you get a group of girls, it's a totally different experience. Um, not that I've had too many girls' night outs, but, um, <clears throat> but the one that I did was the best night of my life. But, um, but really, is, is, what's the kind of, I don't know if culture is the better way of putting it, but yeah. just that kind of the different dynamic between a group of guys and a different group of girls? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I, I'm not sure whether it's because I've grown up spending a lot of time with, with boys. But, I mean, I, I have very close girlfriends and, you know, we talk about things that girls talk about and, you know, we, you know, talk about, you know, emotions and all that other sorts of thing. And then when we're out on the Saturday ride, it's just a whole lot of banter and nothing's too serious and, you know, oh, how many watts are you doing and how many watts are you doing? And sometimes when we're in rollers, there'll be people yelling out, how many watts are you doing? Um, so, yeah, there is a bit of that. With, with guys, there's a little bit more uh, competitive edge, I suppose, um, and I think that that's just naturally what guys are like. Yeah. Um, but with the with, – and maybe because the women that train in our group, we're all – I mean, I don't know if tomboy is the right word, but we're a little bit more inclined to, yeah, just be a little bit more relaxed about things. But at the end of the day, I know that the guys probably would prefer to – and this is not just guys I train with. Sometimes in races – I mean, the recent Melbourne race, um, when I passed a couple of age group guys, a few of them actually um, said some negative things to me. And then, Was yeah. one of them John Newsom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say anything negative. I certainly wouldn't. Uh, You'd be, John would be crying on the inside. I, I bet that a lot of them would have uh, picked up their pace, so. Yeah, and then, and then we got into this situation where I passed them and then they wanted to pass me, but then they would get back in front of me and then I'd have to drop back. And then there was a lot of passing. Um, and it all, and listen, it, it, we could have been probably stung for drafting after a while because then they would just, anyway, that's a bit of a side note. So but the, the guys I train with, you know, we like to, they like to compete with each other. I definitely don't feel any need for them to be faster than me, but um, it also, they really have been supportive in helping me develop as well. And the girls I train with are great too. Nice. So you talked about um, you know, often um, guys talking about their watts and things like that. Um, <laughs> it, it seems to be guys generally tend to be more um, gadget focused than, than a lot of the female athletes we talk to. Is that the case with you, or do you you, you know you love your power meter and all that sort of stuff? Where are you with all your, your gadgets? I'm definitely getting a little bit more comfortable with the gadgets. Um, but it's not, I mean, in the early days, I was probably heart rate only. Um, and even though I did have power, I would never look at the power. I didn't even know what the, the power meant. Um, and yeah, the average speed was maybe a little bit faster than last week. But it was never something that I really put a lot of energy into understanding. Um, now I'm trying getting a little bit more involved in the in the metrics and, you know, I'll get home and within... Within two minutes, I've made sure that everything's synced and then I've got my gadgets out and I'm showing Al, my boyfriend, oh, you know, this Watson, look at that, and heart rate and everything else. So I'm, I'm probably getting a little bit more, maybe it's by spending too much time with the guys, but I'm getting a little bit more into the Watson, into the zones and everything else as well now. What are you, what are you um, 
how do you find the balance of being an you know because being an Ironman athlete is pretty full on anyway, but obviously you've got a full time job, you've got you know other commitments. How do you find that balance of trying to you know because I always think you know there's one thing to finish an Ironman, but when you're trying to be a pointy end racer, there's that kind of next level of commitment that comes to your life. So how do you balance that in the whole kind of picture of your life? Yeah, I think I think routine and planning and scheduling is a big part of any. Um, triathletes life and packing bags and lunches and everything like that I'm really lucky in that um, my my partner with his work he's either away or he's at home so when he's at home he takes care of pretty much all the cooking or the cleaning or the domestic or the everything Um, yeah which is really really lucky but um, yeah I'm, I'm also quite lucky that I work at a university in that I can work my training in around lectures or around classes um, or I can come in late and stay back a little bit early. So having a flexible working arrangement where the hours can fit in around training, particularly in winter where there's not a lot of light, I can um, go out for a run in the middle of the day and then come back later. So that, that really helps with finding the time to get all, all your training in. Um, yeah. So in, in term, people always love to know how much the, the top athletes are training. So, you know, um, in a typical Ironman build-up, what sort of weekly hours or number of sessions are you doing per week? Yeah, so I'll do three swims, a, yeah, three swim sessions a week, um, four rides and four runs. And I'm now doing, I do a couple of Pilates classes a week as well. Um, and sometimes those rides have a run afterwards and, and everything else. So, um, I mean, at the moment I'm doing about, you know, 20 to 22 hours. Um, sometimes in a bit of an easier week that might drop down to you know, 16 to 18 um, and, you know, getting closer to the race probably as high as 24. But it's, ne- it's never gone any higher than that just because there's not enough hours in the day and you've got to sleep. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, you, you talked about Kona last year um, being more of a, an experience and, um, you know, relative to what you did in, say, Melbourne this year, you know, your time and your placing was, was not as, um, as good as what your Melbourne performance was. So what are the, the expectations this year now that you know what you're – got yourself in for a little bit, you've got that amazing 9.38 under your belt. Um, What are the expectations this year? Yeah, I'm expecting to go much faster than last year um, and I'm definitely getting my, you know, head into into that sort of space where I'm going to do well. Um, I'm expecting to to be in the top end of, you know, my age category. You know, 30 to 34 female is pretty competitive female category that in 35 to 39 are generally where the fast girls are um but yeah i'd be looking for a podium finish at at kona this year um and just i just want to make sure that bike leg is much much faster than last year well with regards to that you know you're saying that you know you seem to race better when you don't focus on the field but when you go to kona this year it seems like that's a part of the game so how, how does that mind game work out for you yeah, and that's, that's something that um, Simon and I have spoken about a fair bit, that as I start to get a little bit more competitive and more serious, I need to probably start shifting my focus to thinking about, you know, who's out there and where are they and do I move now and all that sort of thing. Um, and I think now that I've been at this for a little while and, I mean, it's, it's a gradual process, it's a, it's a journey, this whole thing. So I think now that I've been at this a while, I am a little bit more comfortable than that. I'm, I'm a different person to what I was in that 2013 race where I blew up a little bit. Um, so it's becoming a lot more 
a lot more comfortable with me to to make that mind shift. And it's it's actually really exciting. And the good thing is, is one of the one of the girls that's in my category, really good athlete, Amanda Wilson. Her and I have become friends since Melbourne this year. So, and it's quite nice when you start to talk to these girls that you're racing against, and you realise that we've all got the same aim. We all want to do well. And at the end of the day. Um, you know, someone's going to come before somebody else, but everyone's happy for everyone because it's that type of sport. Um, so, you know, you've come a long way in what, four, four or five years or so. Um, what, what do you think have been the key things for you in terms of getting better or advice you'd be giving to other people that want to try to make that step up from being, you know, good to very good in their age group? I think... I think consistency, I think Levi Maxwell said a similar thing. I think consistency in your training is is one thing. I think discipline is another thing, you know, when it's cold or when it's raining or when it'd be easier to not go out, to, to still go out and to get connected with other people to make that easier. And I think the biggest thing for me, and I think this definitely happened between the 13 and the 14 season, is I just started to, I just started to believe that I, that I could be good and I, I don't know whether it's because I'm female, I don't know whether it's my personality, I'm not sure, I don't know whether it's because I got dropped after 12 minutes on that first ride, but I just never thought I was going to get any faster on my bike leg and I was always 20 minutes slower than everybody else. And <clears throat> yeah, one of my friends just said one day, you've just got to get in your head that you can go faster. And that was a really big shift for me and I started to believe, well, why can't I go faster? And then I started going faster, it's, it's not rocket science, so <laughs> yes. In, in, in terms of long-term plans, you know, um, you got a you got a job at the moment, and whilst 9:38, um, I often sometimes make this point on the show, absolutely amazing for an age group athlete. But if you wanted to race pro, essentially at Melbourne, you know, you've probably got to be um, sub nine there to be even remotely in the money. So, is you know, looking at possibly racing professionally at some stage or in the pro category at least um, something that is uh, on your agenda? Yeah, absolutely. Towards the end of the year, I. I definitely am going to look at how Kona goes and look at going pro. I'm currently in the in the process of working out the logistics of, you know, how many hours do I have to work so that I can still support myself and what might that mean and everything else. Um, so that that is the plan at the moment to clear some more time in my schedule to dedicate to more training and just I mean I have I have no idea how fast I can go really because I've always had to I've always worked 40 to 50 hours a week and everything else. So the thought of clearing some time in the schedule and just training a little bit, training a lot more and getting a lot more serious about it and looking at those watts and metrics a little bit more closely um, really excites me. Nice. So if anybody wants to follow what you're up to, um, is there any ways they can do that? Hey, I have a Facebook page, um, Tracy Morrison, not Tracy Watson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you heard that bloody cricketer Shane Watson who got dropped. Oh, here we go. You're winging it, Watson. You're winging it. We mentioned that earlier in the show and I had that on my mind. <laughs> um, yeah, so Facebook's the best um, place to get me at the moment. Yeah, Tracy Morrison, I've got a page set up. Nice, very good. Oh, we look forward to... And hopefully one day we'll see you back in attack because imagine how fit you are now in attack. You'd be crazy like me. <laughs> Oh, I think I don't know if my hamstrings will be able to kick anymore like that. But they're too tight. <laughs> awesome. Oh, well, we have a great time in Kona this year, and um, well done on your your racing to date. And we look forward to seeing you kick some butt over there and uh, getting. We, we, you know, we claim Aussies when they do well. We yeah, like to do that. Do. So yep. we'll uh, we'll take the victory if you get one. Yep. And um, you got a bit of Kiwi blood somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks so awesome. much for having me on. No worries. Thanks. 
And we are back, Jonbo. And again, John was saying we haven't actually done the interview yet, but you guys have just listened to it, and we sure she was amazing. Okay, Jonbo, questions <laughs> and answers. And we've got one here through, we've got a couple actually. Uh, hi, my Iron Man journey began. Oh, that's, that's the interview. Yes. We just got one from Mark Scudamore. Where is it? So does does John's acquisition of a mountain bike mean that I Am Talk will be covering Xterra a bit? That would be nice. There's some bloody good racing there. And after all, it is triathlon. To answer your question, probably not going to do any Xterra races because <laughs> I've got a pretty basic mountain bike. I need to get a mountain bike sponsor um, and then I would consider it. What kind of level yeah. mountain bike have you got? Oh, pretty basic. It's not your... You but could you go out on Birdwood Forest? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's got disc brakes and stuff, but it's at the bottom end. It's pretty heavy, and uh, yeah, it's more for hanging out with the kids. Yeah. Uh, we don't really have many exterior races in New Zealand. Doesn't we have um, two? one up north in Rotorua, which is, is a, which is an exterior, and, and then we have one down in Motutapa, which is basically a half Ironman um, exterior, which doesn't really rock my boat. Are you still thinking about doing the Pioneer? Um, not next year, maybe okay. the year after. Do like the idea of that. That's a multi-day mountain it's bike a race. Team, but you have to do teams. Mm. Let's get something to do with it. Yep. Uh, so no, no exterior's come my way. I would cover. I wouldn't mind covering a bit more exterior, but um, it doesn't get much coverage. Like I don't really know the athletes very well. Yeah, but it's just we're not in that world, is it? Mm. You know. Okay, Joe, we got an email through from Murray Lapworth, and last week on you put a photo on. Arno supplied a photo of the, the seat shifter, which is um, used to have in the good old days. You could uh, be middle of your bike ride and you could shift the seat forward um, by just either pressing a button and or you could uh, shift it back for when you're climbing. So forward to be TTing, back to be climbing. Was it good? I never rode it. It wasn't very successful, I don't think. No, well, Murray Letworth says to hope in that photo there is also a bike stream, a bladder under the seat with a straw to stick under the handlebars with the bike valve to drink from. I have both my green neon Klein uh, Quantum, which Jacob now has pimped up as a commuter bike in Wellington. For your advice, uh, for FYI, it wasn't at all cracked up to be. My most vivid memory is getting in on the plane in Auckland on Saturday morning at 10am in 32 degrees Celsius to fly down to Christchurch for the DB Lager. Remember that? Oh, the DB Lager Olympic race. When I got off the bike, off the plane in Christchurch, it was 16 degrees Celsius. Sunday morning dawned at 8 degrees in February. It's, it's our summer here and it's very cold. Uh, and for the first time, I packed only essentials. Tinley Neon Speedos. Yes. Oh, does Tinley Gear still exist? No. No? They got pulled by Reebok and then they discontinued it, I think. Oh, we talk something about that, like that. On Legends. And a race singlet, no warm gear like every other race. The low pressure system in Christchurch meant that the sea in Scarborough was so rough, I got seasick and the swim and vomited. Coming out of the water in 54th. I jumped on the bike and raced along Summit to Esplanade. And at the first speed bump on the bike stream, collapsed and dumped into all my nutrition <laughs> it's not good so what it basically was was a, a pouch that would go below your seat and it was sort of made of wetsuit material and then you'd have a tube coming through along your top tube and then coming up through your aero bars so it was it was a bit like having you know you, these days you have your sort of profile bottle up the front it was like having it at the back and you'd kind of a bit like having a bladder when you go you have yeah, well, a was it just fluid or did you fluid actually put or like your gels drink in or, no it's, it, you didn't really have gels in those days um, it was basically drink water or sports drink and it was just mean you didn't have your bottle and you had that tube straight up in your face um, and there's, we had the picture on Facebook as well and a couple of other people commented on there as well how their stories of these things exploding oh, really? literally exploding 
overloading <laughs> mid race, and then all of a sudden you've got no nutrition. And this was before the days of having yeah, any aid stations, stations on the bike so or anything. Game over. And so you're completely screwed. Well, then uh, Murray he passed Rick Wells on Dyers Pass Road and came off the bike in second place. So we went from 54th out of the swim to second place. Obviously the fastest bike split of the day. The visibility on Summit Road was about 10 meters. So I suspect. Uh, as I didn't know the road, I didn't realise the consequences of going off the side. It is pretty crazy up there. Uh, so everyone else was probably riding to life preservation in mind. Thankfully, with the rain, I was able to stuck in some water off the face and, the, and hydrate a little bit. Yes, he did get the run done, and he did finish in the top 10. And he felt pretty good. I think he may even beat Rick Wells, but he did email me the next day and say, Rick, apparently been out partying all night. Right. And just made sure he got his appearance. Very, very unlike Rick Wells. <laughs> And then just lastly, Swanee Noah sent through a photo. Now, I've got this photo here. I think I pulled it up. Uh, of him and Pod. Right. Post Gold Coast Marathon. Ah. And Clive Rosendale sent, made, took the photo. Right. So I'm going to put that on the website for this week's photo. Oh, cool. So Swanee Noah and the Pod. Hope Pod went a little bit quicker than Swanee Noah. I think, though. Well, Swanee Noah walked. So he did say it was appropriate to call him speed walker. Yes. He said there was the one time you can actually do it. So nice. there you go. Okay, Jombo. Um, sponsors? Athlinks.com. <coughs> Oh, oh, excuse me. Um, Check out the endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our team of patrons. Okay, let's name some of the patrons. We have Adam, the racing vampire leech. You like that? Did you come up with that one? Well, because I thought leech, I thought sucking. Nice. And then I thought, like, you couldn't really call him the sucker. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, what's something that, you know, like, if you're a vampire, you'd be killing all your people around you, wouldn't you? You'd be sucking all the blood out of them. Cool. So he's the racing vampire. Nice. Uh, Yentz, the champ Dalmain. Nice. Um, With an old nickname. Which one did you, which was the other one you did? I did did the Predator. Andrew Hunt. Andrew, the Predator Hunt. You had to go somewhere with Hunt. Yeah, because I thought hunting, and I was like, yeah. oh, what on earth is And then actually, not low below, you had Predator written down for one of our old things right. we used to do. Yeah. I thought, oh, that actually works quite well there. So Andrew, the Predator Hunt. Robert Boom Boom Beelan. Oh, that's a great one. And Craig... Craig Nicholson did have two nicknames. Um, one was Raceaholic and the other one was The Rock. Craig used to be a Raceaholic, now is very few and far between oh, really? these races. So we'll just go with Craig, The, the Rock, Rock Nicholson. Nice, nice. Did you have a good run, babe? Oh, oh great sleeping. Run. What is it with this place? Everybody just sleeps. She's working. Oh, got to feed the family, mate. Uh, just on the patrons, John's got a little stat here. We've got 1.5 of the people who listen to the show. 1.5%. Yeah, yeah. So it's a pretty so. low percent of the patrons. So all it takes is a co- if, if you do a coffee a month for me and Bevan, that's 10 bucks. We're on fire, and we're, I, would, I would love to be able to dedicate a bit more time. To, to do some prep for the show, make sure we've got consistent. You know, maybe we can talk a bit better about some of the, the news. Oh, you know what I start. love to do is get to the point where literally we have the winner of every weekend's race on the show. Mm. You know, like, you know, but that would take us so much coordination. But if we had more time, we could do it. Like, imagine if every week we had the two champs. Yeah. You know, or most weeks we had most of the champions. You know, that'd be really interesting. But again, that takes time and, and stuff. So if you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me. For those who already are patrons, we really appreciate the support you're giving the show and uh, really means a lot and helps us keep doing what we're doing. Jombo. Yes. The Goss. The Goss. Um Big, big study day starts back today. Back at back, back my study. They have long holidays, those students. God knows what they do. You do wonder, I mean, don't you? You always think, well, surely it'd be better to have less holidays and get it done quicker. I think I had my exam on June the 12th or was it June the 19th? It's now July 21st. Wow. 
That's a lot of holidays. Well, but in theory, you should be studying post-exam to make well, sure you confirm those thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah, you do your exam yeah, so you and you carry months on So you know that stuff. So restarting today, but, um, double upping the ante, two papers. Last term I only did one paper, this term doing so two wait, papers. But, but what are you doing right now? This term's going to be chemistry and the human body. So it's basically... Anatomy it's, and... Yeah, yeah. But it's just sort of 101 level stuff. Just an introduction, then next year I hit the real stuff. So next year you actually start the nutrition course? Yes. And how many years will it take you to do that? Probably five. And how many hours is that going to be a week? Not, not too much. Not too much. <laughs> say that. Say, it, say that, man. An hour. Give so it an hour. Tuesdays, it's a bit sad. I'm not going to see my kids on Tuesdays. I get up at five, go to the pool, come around here. here we're doing a show. Yeah, come yeah. around here, do the show, get home probably sort of 9, 9.30, something like that, and then uh, out of there at um, sort of middle of the day to go off and do five hours of study, get home at 8, 8.30 at night. That sucks. Yeah. What does my daddy look like? I know. Uh, it's a daily occurrence for a lot of people. It really is, isn't it? Mm, yeah. I was always lucky with Tyler because because I didn't really work in my 20s. <laughs> that, always, <laughs> that, that always helps. I managed in my 20s, God knows how I did it, to live off 10 hours a week of work. Mm. And admittedly, I did the odd job where I'd get big money to go do other things. So I could often have weekends away where I could earn some good money. But... In my, in, my, in my 20s, I really didn't work much. And uh, in that sense, I could do Ironman, but it also meant that, um, you know, I could be there when my daughter came home from school and we could spend some mm. time together. And uh, it, was, it was definitely a bit of a luxury, really. God knows how I survived. Mm. But I, I did. We didn't eat. Uh, other than that, <laughs> no, not much else going on. Oh, back running, hopefully. Oh, back it up? Yep. Had a pain, okay? pain-free 10K Yesterday, did you go too is, fast? No, no. The thing that got me is so, pretty this, full on. This is uh, comeback. This is comeback number three, I think it is. What got me last time wasn't running too much. It was like running up some stairs and then just pinged again. Mm. So feeling pretty optimistic. What got me over the final hurdle, the final hump? Yeah, you know, I've been doing some strengthening work and all that sort of stuff. Was ten days in a row of stretching for thirty to forty-five minutes, sometimes up to an hour. That's what got me over the hump. So people that say stretching doesn't work, it does. John. Bevan? Why did you do 10k? Think it's too too much too rubbish. Soon. It was just cruising just 10k. Come off an injury. It was like 45 minutes. It was uh, fine. Uh, I know. My when you come next week and you've got a pulled calf, no, nah, it was fine. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go. I told you so. Build. But did you do some walking in that 10k? No. Uh, well, you're the one who does the walk run marathon. Yeah. So Auckland. Auckland's happening. Auckland's happening. It's all on. Are you gonna go for quality? Well, we'll see. I'm, I, th- I'm, I think, assuming I get a reasonable build, I'm just gonna go for it and see what happens. Do you like Auckland? Did you like the race? Yeah, yeah, it's a cool race. It is. I'm not just saying that because they're helping me out. Um, <laughs> I actually really, I actually really enjoyed the course. It's a, a nice variety. It's awesome for families. Did you get much crowd? No, not really. No, you don't get much. Uh, I don't recall. I was hurting a bit on the. the it's run. interesting, really, isn't it, that we don't get crowds at the big races in New Zealand? You know, like Christchurch, yeah. it comes back into town, so you, you know, obviously there's a bit of a crowd there. But you think of the big marathons. Mm, mm. You know, in Auckland, how many people do Auckland? Oh, it's thousands. Yeah, so you think, you think there'd be a bit of a crowd, wouldn't you? Um, so yeah, I think I'll go for it. My calf's feeling better too. Good. Don't don't go do, don't don't do ten k. That's just too much. Well, no, I can't because I got. To, I was really stressed because I pulled it quite bad, and then I've been very responsible. And mm. then I actually went for forty five minute run, John, and yeah. pulled my calf again. So God. then I was like, oh, okay, well, that's a stupid move. And so then, and I've got to go to Auckland on Wednesday or tomorrow. For a week, which is a you know a pretty intensive exercise week, and uh, and I was really like, oh no, I'm gonna you know I was on that verge of, well I didn't think I had to pull out of the work, but it was definitely gonna be I'm gonna have to manage this really carefully, and then 
responsible, John. Yeah. Lots of icing, lots of heat packs, lots of compression, lots of stretching. And uh, and it's uh, taught last night and I killed myself and it was fine. So well, good. Back into it, John. Back into right. it. Right. Any other goss? Otherwise, we've got to go do an interview. I thought we were going to be done like half an hour ago. This is going to be a long show because we're at we're an hour 30 already. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Anything exciting you want to share? What's my exciting goss, John? What's my exciting goss? Um, okay, let's move on then. <laughs> <laughs> I must have something. I was thinking lately. I don't have much good goss on the show. Yeah, uh, we had the cock ring today. That was. Pretty, <laughs> that I was, didn't. That was pretty exciting. Because it's something I've ever used. Yeah. Um, um, no, that's, I that's, what you, that's what you say. What was I going to talk about? Oh, you've, you've thrown my thoughts off. I, I had a gold story. The best story ever was going to come out. Good. And you've just absolutely thrown a new song last night at the band. Yeah, yeah. Actually, quite a cool song. Actually, I was quite happy with that one. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. Um, watched, did you watch your Blacks? Yep, watched that with Thomas. Yep, yeah. That's good. The Australians won the rugby. They beat the South Africans. Mm-hmm. Um, does Thomas like rugby? Oh, he gets into it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. more into his soccer. Does he do the hucker? Do you get up and do the hucker with him? Uh, no, but no. Teach him the hucker. Yeah. Um, said they're not. We went to a friend's house. Had a roast. Oh, no. Yep. No, no need to push it. We're okay. Do you like roast? Yep. We've got five minutes. I can talk. No. Yeah. Look. Five minutes. Four minutes. Do you like a roast? Yep. I roast. Do you know the only problem with the roast on Saturday night? It was, and it was a good roast. They did a mm. great job with the roast. Roast buds are gold, aren't they? Yep. Pretty and crunchy. What do you need with a roast bud? Potatoes. <laughs> well, you need it. But you need yep. either potato, some gravy or some butter. Gravy, butter with roast potatoes. You know, butter with roast taste. Oh, you do have to cover them in gravy. Yeah. No, you have the gravy pool. You asked Belinda about my gravy pool. Well, what's your gravy pool? I've half. Oh, now you want to talk for four minutes? Yeah. Where you go? No, tell gravy. me. Yeah, but you, you, you divide your plate up, and you have this massive big pool of gravy on one side. And how do you make sure it doesn't go to the other side? You 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 put your gravy, <laughs> you put your barrier up, <laughs> barrier up for the potatoes. <laughs> potatoes are your barrier to stop the gravy going into your vegetables or your meat. Yeah. Technique, I tell you. It's technique. <laughs> little it's castle. technique. Who it was, was that guy? Tony Little. Technique. I met him. Yeah. No, I didn't. No, that's a lie. I met his partner. Yeah. 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 I met his partner when I was in Mrs. Big. Albaline. Albaline, Texas. Yeah. Albaline, Texas. Hey, y'all. How y'all doing? <laughs> Hi, y'all. <laughs> Seriously, that's how they all talk. Hey, y'all. Right. Hey, y'all doing now? If you are in LA mm-hmm. and you, you are with billions of dollars. Yeah. Let's Get say you own some high tech place. You pick me up from the helicopter in the airport. Nice. I'm more than happy yeah. to come and entertain you for a few days. I can. What, what, what tricks can I do for the family, John? The theme of the show. <laughs> no, I'm not doing a cock ring. You can oh, yeah. teach me a bloody clapping game. There you go. There we go. Maybe I'll, I'll teach you an aerobics class. Iron Rust. Train hard. Train hard. Kick hard.